The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me on CB Caps on Instagram. With Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you have heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn. <laughs> I was just listening to some old dirty the other day, so that's pretty good. <laughs> Shout out to old dirty. Exactly. ODP. Exactly. And this, folks, is the Comic Book Chronicles, as we just said. You can find, which you can find at uh, the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and uh, give us the, all the five star. Positive reviews, please. Yeah, spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. I keep hearing. That's right. The Moet and Alize. <laughs> uh, and also, um, uh, to, to round it off, you can find us. You know running... what they keep? I was about to say, you know what they keep me, but I'm not going to continue that yeah, particular. Yeah, yeah. Uh... We, we're not going to go down that line. <laughs> 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 um. But yeah, uh, like you can also find us recording every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, the, no, excuse me, on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And um, twitch.tv slash uh, comic book chronicles. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and hit the, uh, the little alarm bell button so that you get notifications that we are recording. And leave us all the good and positive reviews you can, please. Do it. Do it. That's that's that line from that movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Folks, we are going to go into a spoiler-free recap of uh, She-Hulk episode number five, because it just came out that they were recording. So, you know, we don't want to spoil folks on that. But we're right, going to start broad it off. Strokes, folks, broad strokes. Mm-hmm. And um, I think eight to seven is going to give the the warning and the bell. So hit it. Sure. So spoilers. The very lightest spoilers because, as we just said, this episode dropped the day of this recording. So we want you to watch this episode because it's a really fun episode. 
So, spoilers in three, two, one, they are incoming now. All right, the name of this episode is called Mean, Green, and Straight Poured Into These Jeans. And to quote Titania, you. <laughs> <laughs> Even I had that reaction. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't get genuine for, 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 uh, for part of that, but you know. Oh, no. And speaking of someone else who should have been a part of this episode, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, so, right, yeah. Interestingly, I was about to say, interestingly, we did not have any real guest appearances in this episode. Nope. Everyone has been, you know, in that, everyone that appeared in this episode was a recurring character so far. Right. Yeah, and the one, as, as I was re- watching this episode, uh, one particular part specifically, the one person I would have want, wanted has not made a live action, um, uh, live action uh, 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 appearance anywhere that I know of, anyway. So, you know, awesome Andy. Well, that too, but him, uh, them okay, too. That's but the second person. Yeah, no, no, not yeah. I, I definitely want. To, wait, have you read the? You read um? I know you're reading the current She Hope, but you read the? Right, that's yeah. That's where I'm getting that reference from. But right. obviously now we have a Mallory book. Yes. Oh yeah, we, oh yeah, we're getting to her one. I forgot her uh, her name in Hamilton, but one uh, Renee Elise uh, Goldsberry, the, the the very beautiful Renee Elise. That Goldsberry. was a lot. That was a uh, uh, Eliza. Was she Eliza? Okay. No, 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 no. Eliza was the main one. Right. There we go. Angelica. There we go. Angelica's the older sister. Right. Because it's Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy. And Peggy. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So, yes. um, uh, She, well, she does, I was about to say, she doesn't make a record. She she, she came up last uh, last episode, but now she has gotten a little bit more camera time. Um, because she's involved in a case that is involved that uh, that um, that is involved um, one Miss Walters uh, of ours here, so. right? And ultimately, Jennifer Walters, Jen Walters, does the right thing that every lawyer knows, and that is to not represent themselves, no matter how capable you are as an attorney. You are told and taught to never ever represent yourself. So I kind of I was going to ask you about that because I kind of wondered if that was actually a rule or something or is just that just a good common sense. It's common sense, right? It's 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 definitely common sense. It's not a rule because you can be a pro se litigant and represent yourself in anything, right? You don't necessarily have to hire an attorney, although it's definitely a lot easier if you have an attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 makes sense. You know, even in even in small claims, from small claims up to federal court, it's much more. It, it's it's more advisable to have an attorney. Obviously, when you're in uh, a small claims case or a small civil court case, it's definitely a little bit, uh, you know, it may not be cost effective. But, uh, that you know, we're getting off track just a touch. <laughs> but, you know, welcome to our, our, you know, it is a legal drama. So we're going to touch in touch upon some of those issues. But ultimately, um, this case, you know, this 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 it, this uh, this episode revolves around a case of trademark. And it's an interesting ploy and a plot device that I thought was an inventive way of creating tension between Titania and She-Hulk because they're obviously not using the traditional Titania origin 
right. or they may be twisting it somehow because we're not 100% sure how Titania has received whatever powers she has, which have only been showcased or exhibited very briefly. Right. So we don't know for sure. You know, that may be expanded upon in this show or another show, but right. we'll see. But ultimately, they use that as a plot device, this trademark case. And again, we're kind of not spoiling everything, but it's a trademark case that brings these two into a courtroom battle. Right. I mean, if you saw the end of last episode, then you already know, you know, it was leading up to this. Right. right. It was leading up to this anyway, you know. So, excuse me. Um, Right. Now we now we find out there is literally snake oil being sold. <laughs> literally snake oil. Indeed. Uh, and well, actually, so that's I guess you could say that's the A plot and the B plot has uh, something to do with, uh, let's say, Jin getting a new wardrobe, but uh, the uh, and a roundabout way of getting to that point having to uh, has to do with her um, her paralegal Nikki and uh, the other lawyer uh, Pug. Who was uh, right. chopping some for some uh, Iron Man ones? Uh, excuse me, Iron Man threes, not ones. I'm thinking of black, uh, black ones. <laughs> right, and and unfortunately, running into some bootleg merchandise, which yes. just made me laugh. I'm like, why is it so stereotypical that the Asian person <laughs> is selling bootleg merchandise? Come on, man. Okay, so I mean, you know- I know that like one of the directors on this, Jessica Gao, is Asian. Right. I know there's. There's, there's plenty of representation on the show yeah. behind the camera, but I kind of, I kind of, you know, just I, I, <laughs> I, I, I bumped on that just a little bit, but of course it's a front, right? So I, I actually didn't think about that until you just said that, but also <laughs> I was kind of wondering, I was kind of waiting and wondering because as we saw from the end credits, you know, we saw a, a, a sketch of uh, Jen and She-Hulk in court holding up an Avengers uh, um, mug. I was wondering, like, where is that even going to come into play? And that pretty much was here. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's so. So, but that yeah. Funny. But uh, as we said, that that is pretty much uh, the start of it. And that uh, kind of goes into, uh, which we don't get to see, but uh, uh, Jen getting some, uh, some new duds. I was also kind of hoping that we were going to hear some mention of unstable molecules, but I know that's not going to happen. I was going to say, I was going to mention that we as comic book fans are so, it's so embedded in us. It's basically, it's, it's basically uh, entrenched in our brains that the majority of the costumes that we see are made of unstable molecules so that it takes a lot to damage them. Right. So, you know, obviously, you know, that's changed a lot when, you know, because we've, We've seen in the Netflix shows and some of these Marvel shows that uniforms tend to get damaged, you know, because they need a reason to take off their masks. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they need a reason to take off their masks. And sometimes um, they don't even need a reason. Sometimes they're just like, Pfft. but yeah, most yeah. of the time, yeah, like, like Agent 70 said, that's the case. Exactly. Um, now, one more point I want to make before you before you say anything was because sure. uh, about this particular part. So there was a part where she's she's getting some new uh some some new duds uh after you know uh finding someone to do it. I don't know if you thought about this, but I sure did. Why? I I, I wanted so bad after I saw the scene 
to um for a certain incredible in, in, incredible character to show up oh. in that let's just say darling exactly and that was the only thing i was thinking i was like you could use edna for this it'll just make edna but i know it's a different universe and all that kind of good and whatever it was like like i so weird that could have been the case that, it would have been nice as an easter egg <clears throat> right you know if they had like someone mimicking you know the mannerisms the accent even the look right just I mean, in he, the background I mean, he the the the, the person the designer slash person kind of was, but that's also a kind of a quote unquote stereotypical fashion maven type, type. right? Exactly. So, but I, I was like, dang, I could use Edna right there. That would have been perfect. That's funny. That's <laughs> so I'm sorry. Funny. What were you going to say? No, I w- I was just going to add that um, you know ultimately uh, one thing that we talked about just before the show started, you know, in our pre-show prep was the fact that this episode lacks a stinger yes. scene. But in lieu, it seems like in lieu of a stinger scene, we got a very big hint as to what may happen in the next episode, at the very end of this episode. Right. You know, it was something in a box. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it's not uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's, oh, no, I'm not, <laughs> did I really spoil that? That movie. Oh, what's in the box? It's like 10, what, 10, 20 years old at this point? Oh, at least 20 years yeah. ago now. <laughs> so, at least 20 years ago. And we didn't even say the name, but uh, if you if you heard what just was just played and you know what we're talking about, you know. Congratulations, right. you're old. Um, <laughs> but but you know what? I And I, yes, I thought about that, but I also thought, okay, that was going to be the stinker. Like, maybe it was going to come in and be like, hey, we, we shop at the same place or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess we're not there yet. Right, so we got something in lieu of it. It just didn't it it didn't sit right with either myself or Roddy Cat that there was no stinger. It's kind of right. like, wait, why did the screen like I don't know if you're watching it if it's the same on mm-hmm. your device. I have it on a Fire Stick, mm-hmm. so I was watching it over dinner, and I saw it blink down and it shrinks down into like you know a what's next? Yes, thing. <laughs> yes, it does that. Right? Yeah. Right, so I don't, I don't like, I don't know if you're using a different device, like on a PS5 or yeah, whatever. Uh, P, um, PS5 does that also, put it that way. Um, okay, yes. mm-hmm. so then at the end of the day, when it does that, you're just like, wait, 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 what happened? Did I miss something? Right. And I usually think, once I just you... go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say usually uh, the the credits, the, the 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 first credits will end. You'll get the stinger, and then it'll start playing, and then it'll shrink. Right. So that's what made me think. I'm like, was I chewing or something? Did I blink? <laughs> You blink and you, you missed know? it. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, did I blink and miss it? Like, I had watched, you know, I had watched like the bulk of this episode during the day, like over lunch. But I, 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 I sat down and watched like the second half again over dinner tonight. Gotcha. And, um, you know, like I, I, like I said, I really was concerned that I had blinked and missed it. So now you, um, yeah, once it's surprised. right, yeah, once I you you see that where it shrinks down like that, it's like, well, that's it. Because I all I did was like, wait, that's it. <laughs> you know, because it was like, because I knew once to see that happen, that was it. And I figured they wouldn't have done, I would like to believe that they wouldn't have messed up. I mean, I granted, I still kind of enlarged it back again, just in case, but it was just doing the credits. So like I said, normally, like you said, when it gets to that point, that's pretty much that. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, it was, a, it was a kind of a head scratcher for a second. And I knew I didn't blink because I was like, kind of, because I was kind of there on it. So it was like, huh, I guess that's it then. 
Right. So, so don't expect a stinger this time, or a tag, or whatever they call them. Uh, right. I mean, they'll, they'll probably surprise us and just go the rest of the way with them, you know, mm. you know because it's this episode run is a little weird, right? It's a nine-episode run, so we're definitely past the halfway point. So I wonder if, like, eight out of nine have stingers and just we happen to hit the one right in the middle that doesn't have one. We'll see. Right. I'm just, con- you know, that's, co- that's pure conjecture on my, por- on my part at this point. But I think we've covered most of what uh, this episode is about. Um, I, I wanted to echo something that I heard on, um, uh, on, 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 I think it was the Ringer, uh, the Ringerverse podcast talking about this episode. Um, it's kind of weird that they use um, the dating episode as part of this episode. Right. And, you know, it's weird that they would that they would have the, you know, like there's an aspect of both that episode and this episode that makes it seem like Tatiana Maslany would not get any, any action on her own, but she would only get action if she turned into She-Hulk, which right. I find pretty crazy. Yeah. Shout out to Dan Slott also for saying for saying that on Twitter uh, after the dating episode, because he was basically like. You know, the last guy, he was like, this guy is the worst idiot in the Marvel Universe ever. And then he ran down some um, some examples, including Thanos, oh, excuse me, including Star-Lord with Thanos. You know, mm. he was like, nope, still worse. And then it was like, yeah, because like you were saying, I was like, um, yeah, like if you see She-Hulk, you dating She-Hulk, and she turns back into Tatiana Maslany, you're still, that's still, you know, she's still a pretty woman. You're you know? still coming out right, ahead. Right, exactly. Like, you're she's still just, coming out ahead. Right. That is all I'll say about that. Right, so I'm sitting here like, cause was like, and I was in agreement because I was actually thinking the exact same thing when I was watching yeah. it. Like, so. I'm going to go Forrest Gump on you, and that's all I have to say about <laughs> Exactly. Um, so the only thing I have to say in, in passing, because going off of something you just said was, made me th- something you just said made me think of something. What if, I doubt this is the case, but what if the the uh, the tag slash fingers that we've got are it, and we're not getting any for the rest of the, for the rest of the shows? Goodness gracious! Like we they're doing it backwards, like because the rest of the show, like every other show, we've pretty much seen everything in, near the end of the run of the series, and we started out with this, and so I'm kind of wondering if they're going backwards. I doubt that. We'll see. That's all we can do. All that's all we can say is that we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, that being said, that she hope uh, go watch it. It was a fun episode. Eat all yes, it was definitely fun. I recommend it. It's definitely one of the more light-hearted. You know, not entrenched in the in 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 kind of the dramatic storytelling that we've become used to as part of being in the mcu mm-hmm. but this show is definitely not that the show is kind of a sitcom you know the show is you know light-hearted it's definitely in the vein of the comic book and you know take it for what it is mm-hmm. it's not it's not house of the dragon it's not rings of power, you know. Um, I'll talk about those two um, in a second because I don't think Roddy Cat is up on either of them. Nope. So I'll talk about that in a second. But you know, if you're looking for something fun, you can't go wrong watching this. Right. Oh, I knew there was something I was going to say, and then this is definitely it um, on, on on the She Hulk talk one. Renee Elise Goldsberry, and I, I forgot what I was going to mention this earlier, but 
technically she's been on another lawyer show before this one. Because... Right, she's on The Good Wife. Okay, two lawyer shows before this one. Oh no, what was his first one? Uh, she was on Adam McBeal, but she wasn't playing a lawyer, she was like one of the backup singers at the bar. Oh, okay, okay. Right. So, and then, yeah, and I never watched uh, The Good Wife, so I did not know that part. Um, and then I forgot my other point, so let's move on to, uh, I don't know which one you were going to talk about first, uh, either Rings of Power or, or what have you, so, go for it. Okay, so let me start with um, Rings of Power. And it's been a week, so I don't remember everything. I'll just speak in the broadest terms possible. It's times like this episode where I know I told Roddy Cat that he does not have to go back and watch Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, or Return of the King. Right. But it does help to maybe do a quick refresher on character names. You know, maybe a quick peek at the wiki. I don't think you need to delve right into it. But what's interesting about Rings of Power is that you're going to hear a lot of familiar names. Right. Right. And they're kind of compressing you know, the time period that they're, you know, that, that they're, you know, this is essentially the formation of the rings and the one ring, to, the rings of power that are given out to the various groups in Middle Earth and the one ring to rule, to rule them all, right? Right. Ultimately, you're going to hear names that are familiar. And just so that you can re-familiarize yourself with some of the character names, it's probably good to go take a quick look at a wiki, you know, for, um, you know, fellowship. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only one you really need to look at. Actually, you know, because that, that opening, that opening um, Cliff Notes version of the history of Middle-earth that Galadriel gives you at the beginning of, uh, of Fellowship is where a lot of the stuff that, that that happens in Rings of Power is essentially being told, right? Right. <clears throat> so ultimately, um, that's you know that that would be the one thing I would recommend. I still think it's a lot of you know it's just really nice to look at, and I think just that that increased familiarity with the character names and how they fit together will help. But I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary. I think if you're coming in cold, you'll be awestruck by, you know, the scenery, the visuals, even some of the SF, you know, the special effects. And and I think it'll just be fun to watch. I think the characters are starting to be fleshed out. You know, they they they've given Amazon has given the the people behind this show a lot of room for the story to breathe, even though it seems like they're compressing a lot, there's still a lot of room and a lot of, and and a lot of episodes. It seems to me that they're going to have to give these characters some room to breathe and the story to develop. So I think, um, it's going to be, I, you know, it's so far it's so good. I'm enjoying. Okay. Um, so actually I'm going to, I'm going to try to find this and hopefully put it in the show notes because you just made me think of a, a video that basically is like, hey, here's everything you might need to know before um, Rings of Power that right. will probably go into what you were talking about. And I have heard online, it was like, yeah, this seems talk of potential lineage. Right. Um, 
uh, throughout the show from what, I've, from what I'm hearing, so I was kind of expecting that. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Right. And, um... <sighs> House of the Dragon. Episode 4 was this past Sunday. And let me tell you, that episode was a little off the chain. I don't know what you've heard about it, Roddy Cat, but it's just a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? There was some... Um, Potential incest going on, sure. You know, right. but it's Game of Thrones, right? right? That's par for the course for the for the right. Exactly. There's there's political you know machinations going on, and you know obviously there's intrigue. It wouldn't be a Game of Thrones uh, story if it weren't if it did not have that. And so uh, I think I had. A tougher time watching. I did not watch it Sunday evening. I was tied up Sunday evening. I was visiting with some fran- with some uh, family friends until late, so I did not get a chance to watch it live. So I watched it Monday evening on HBO Max, and I know I pressed pause a couple times. I'm like, "What? What's going on? What? What are you doing?" Which would not have happened if I had watched it live. Right. You know, I pressed pause because I was frankly uncomfortable, <coughs> and. You know, that happens when you're watching Game of Thrones. And I think I walked away and I just came back and said, you know what, just press play and see what happens. So I definitely pressed pause a couple of times. And I think I read um, or or heard, maybe it was on uh, a podcast I heard, you know, while I was commuting. You know, I don't know if it was the Ringerverse or the HBO um, official uh, companion podcast that Jason Concepcion hosts. But... Ultimately, I I I kind of struggled my way through this because there's some uncomfortable scenes in this episode. Did it give the warning of such before the yeah. show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always give you the warning, but you know we're grown ups. We're just like, all right, you know, <clears throat> right. we know what we're getting into. You know, we just have to, you know, deal with it or just stop watching. Right. And then there's like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this bad <laughs> or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's like, oh, oh. You know, mom, mm-hmm. walk away. Right. You know? <laughs> so, you yeah, know. I hadn't actually heard anything about this particular uh, episode because, then again, I, I don't think since it's, I mean, I've been on 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 online and on Twitter, but I don't, yeah, I don't think I've seen too much on it um, uh, since then. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, not there's there's not much to it. You know, I'm not that big a game of thrones person mm-hmm. i just appreciate you know the, the the care given to the to the, the the show you know that you know this type of show and how much um and how much uh what you want to call it um and, and how you know just how much money and how much care they put into it that's that's all i have to say you know Mm-hmm. Like I, I appreciate that. Like they, you know, obviously, you know, you're, you, you, the, 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 there was that controversy with the uh, the Starbucks cup in the background. You know, someone obviously wasn't paying attention. Right. But, but ultimately, I think you know, they, they, there's so much care and attention given to you know this show. I really appreciate how you know the the, the efforts, the creative efforts that are put into the show. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, just as 
you know, I, I, I still think I'm probably more invested in Rings of Power just because it's more familiar to me. Right. Even and, though these aren't necessarily characters that we're, you know, that we're so familiar with based on, you know, The Hobbit or Fellowship. Right. One would you say know? you were uh, a slightly bigger fan of the, 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 the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah, with, you know. definitely, definitely. I've read the book. Mm-hmm. I've read the books. And we all you know, I, not, I have to. not read any of George R. R. Martin's books. Right. So, so yeah. So, so that being said, that's the kind of a thing that that kind of comes in hand with with uh, stuff like this. You know, with either right. one of these, whether you're a fan of Stop. of that, or if you're just a complete fantasy fan, because you know you, you won't care for either. You may or may not care for either one. Right. So. Right. Listen, you want swords, sorcery, dragons, monsters, orcs, and a little sex, you know, <laughs> you know, Game of Thrones and or, uh, or Rings of Power. For you. Wait, there's there's nudity no. in our okay. No, not Rings of Power. Yeah, I was about to say that that seems that that would seem That's more more Game of Thrones. Right, right, right. right. Like I say that would be some more that would be weirder than than you know Game of Thrones not having it. So right. Um, but okay, so cool. That was um, the the Rings of Power slash uh, House of Dragons uh, recap moment. Now we can get into the books of the week. Transition. And first book we're going to get into is no, definitely not She Hulk. Um, oh shit. Uh, AXE Judgment Day number four. Sure, AXE Judgment Day number four of six. So we are now past the halfway point of the story. This book is written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, a lot of the plans that have been put into place by the Avengers, by the X-Men, start to play out. You know, that we've got Cap trying to calm things, some of the cap the, the captions are basically coming from the point of view of the progenitor. That's the celestial that was um, created, recreated by um, a, a subgroup of Eternals working with the X Men, and no, actually working with the Avengers. That is working with Tony Stark, and ultimately, um, this story is following parallel paths one being the plan that they're looking to employ to try to basically cheat the judgment you know they're trying to make use of um and 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 this is a spoiler so i'm gonna ring the spoiler bell but if you've been keeping up with this you'll know but i'm gonna ring the spoiler bell anyway the plan is to use Star Fox and his power of love emanating from him you know and uh, you know i i like kieran gillen's way of describing what eros's power actually is and how he interprets his power because that's not how it has been traditionally depicted and described right you know for better or for worse over the course of this character's history in the marvel comics yep but ultimately uh, you know, some of these plans to combat both what the Eternals have 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 brought to the fore, especially thanks to Druig, 
as well as what the progenitor is doing are basically kind of intersecting in this issue. And we see the ramifications of both what Druig is, has essentially wrought on the Earth as well as the rebirth or recreation of the of the progenitor celestial you know that's in the broadest strokes possible because this was a really really dramatic issue i don't want to spoil it there's a lot happening here yeah and you know uh, you know forgive me for not giving like a super concise idea of everything that's that's in this it's just a really well done issue i really appreciated this i think it's going to be a potential click of the week for me I I can concur with that. Um, <clears throat> I will say without, I mean, obviously not giving too 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 much away. So we have seen in this issue, let's say the uh, the MCUification of Star Fox. Hmm. Uh, because excellent point. Excellent point. Mm-hmm. Because, as folks may or may not know, uh, Star Fox did uh, uh, did have a cameo at the end of the Eternals movie uh, in the form of one Harry Styles, and this uh, this rendition of Star Fox Fox looks a little bit more like uh, that version than classic Star Fox. Like the the classic Star Fox is kind of still there, which actually brings me to another point: was that you know if this was classic Star Fox, he probably would have been okay with the idea. That they had, that they originally had going on to, to use you know, him, which, which, which was a funny change of, of pace in, in this case. But also, you know, this is also the same Star Fox who, in uh, an issue or two maybe of uh, She Hulk, got sued for, uh, let's say, use of his powers. I was going to say misuse of his powers, but let's face it, his, his powers are nothing but misuse. <laughs> given, given, uh, given how he, even when he uses them. Right. And they actually do, it's not a retcon per se, but they give an in-story reason for why he's looking and approaching, he's looking at and approaching his powers differently. Mm -hmm. So they do give an an in-story reason for that. It's not simply a change of heart. Right. And also, they also kind of remind, well, or... Folks who have been paying attention to comics uh, in the recent last five or ten years or something like that, not necessarily what happened to him, but where he last was, which I think I tried to remember where that was uh, when he when he showed up in the last uh, episode. I still don't remember what and how all that, because all that part of time was a blur, and I think all that went into Civil Surfer Black, and it was a whole thing with the, them or, and, or, and or that Guardians book. So it was a whole thing. It was like, so I was like, okay, so when did actually he come back? Because, you know, that's kind of a sticky point sometimes. Like, you see this character just come back out of nowhere. You kind of wonder where they've been. So, and this is one of those cases because I thought he was dead. And apparently that was kind of confirmed, sort of. But since he's internal, I guess he got brought back. That's from mm-hmm. my understanding from reading this. Nevertheless, though, like Agent 70 said, this was, if you are keeping up with uh, AXE, you should do yourself a favor and, I mean, if you're not already, check this issue out, because it is, it ends on a, a, a very interesting note, let's say. 
Right. And interestingly, I don't know if Roddy Cat. I don't think he did. I did not see it on see it on his list. But let me touch on this briefly, so that it's one less book to talk about. Okay. Because I can uh, talk about it very quickly. That's X Men Red number six. Oh right. I just want to mention it here. I'm going to give the creative team. Don't worry. But interestingly, this book is in the reading order, the official reading order after. AXE Judgment Day number four. I think it should be the other way around. I think you should read X-Men Red number six, which is written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer or uh, Mar, like Bill Mar, maybe. Um, I heard the, the, the you know, Agent M and his co-host on um, This Week in Marvel, or the, the Marvel pull list, I think, uh, pronounce it as Mar, like Bill Mar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know who's correct. You know, it'd be nice to finally meet Ariana and say, hey, how do you pronounce your name? <laughs> right. But in any event, um, uh, you know, X-Men Red number six deals with Arako and, you know, obviously uh, Uranus's um, uh, a basic, uh, t- you know, like gigantic attack on Arako as part of um, as part of Druig's quest. You know, to, to eradicate, you know, mutantdom and, 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 and all of the deviants of mutantdom. That's the premise here, of course. And so, um, the events of X-Men Red number six essentially to me lead into, uh, a key plot point in Judgment Day number four. And that's why I wanted to mention that here and to actually ask, uh, our, our, our friendly neighborhood listeners and viewers to if you are going to read this, if you have not read these yet, to read X Men Red number X Men Red number six first, and then move on to AXE Judgment Day number four. And actually, going back to Judgment Day number four, that I don't, I have not read uh, X Men Red number six. But if the point that I'm about to slightly bring up, not necessarily spoil, but slightly bring up, has anything to do with that, it was there was a curious and interesting use for the Mutant Eternals uh, team-up in, in Judgment Day number 4. And I don't know if that's something that's ever going to be addressed any further. I don't know why it would. Because I know there was kind of a couple of throwaway lines that are like, well, mutants are deviants and deviants are eternals or something like that, or kind of, you know, something along those lines. So... The, the the way the mutants and the um and and the uh, uh the Eternals kind of team up in a way uh, near the near the middle of the book it's kind of interesting. Although that could very well be just like no, they just kind of came in because of they have the power to do so or something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it doesn't really play into that part, right. but it definitely plays into a couple of other things that come later in the issue. So, but um, <clears throat> I guess we can move on to. Uh, uh, we have two more books in common before we go to Rapid Fire, and I literally just knocked out one of the books that we don't have in common. Mm-hmm. So we'll be moving things rather briskly here tonight, folks. Mm-hmm. What's next? Um, What's next? Amazing Spider-Man number nine. Mm-hmm. It's written by Zeb Wells, with art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I'm going to hand this off to Roddy Cat to start the conversation on this. So, folks, do you remember, I know you do, when the Hellfire Gala came came about and we saw Spider-Man, though, and we, one, thought we didn't know which one was which until we kind of figured out which one was which halfway through the uh, the issue 
And then we find that uh, said Spider-Man end up leaving the gala because of uh, a certain redhead that he's uh, attached to. Well, not attached to at this point, but uh, he's associated with something happened to her. Well, now we get to find out what happened with that uh, situation after, I don't know how long it's been. It's been about a month almost. More? <laughs> yeah, probably been about almost two months since the gala. Um, mm-hmm. And we also come to find out that apparently, as a joke, Wolverine gave uh, gave him his... Uh, is an invite somehow or some way, so that's unfortunate. But yeah, so we kind of get the after—not the aftermath, but we kind of get what happens after, after, um, after the whole, uh, after what happens there. That happens. If you don't know what happens, there was an altercation that happened uh, that was involving Mary Jane and a certain other redhead on the mutant part of the in the part in the part of the crew uh, that we get to kind of see play out of there, and apparently. I'm going to ask Agent 70 this because I don't... When did this happen to her, to Moira? Was this the Death of Wolverine stuff? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, it was Death of Wolverine stuff and I want to say X-Force stuff too. Okay. You know, like a lot of that stuff was happening, uh, you know, to move Moira's story along. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely uh, Death of Wolverine and some stuff in X-Force. And I want to say there was another mini-event that moved it along. Like a, like a, I forget now what it is. I'd have to look it up. You know, mm-hmm. probably check out the wiki and see what, what, what issues um, her story occurs in. Gotcha. But it wasn't the one a, 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 a associated with Death of Wolverine. It wasn't Lives of Wolverine. It wasn't. That one was it. No, Ten Lives and Ten Deaths. Yeah. Okay, you were taking that as a as a as a whole, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. right, right, right. Yeah, ten lives and ten deaths. Gotcha. But I think there's, I think the 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 Moira story continued in another like mm-hmm. kind of little mini series. I don't know if it was a set of annuals or not. I can't remember exactly. Okay, you know, you're gonna make me look while we talk about it. You know, you can continue talking about this while I look. And there's not really much else to say because like, I don't want to really give away too too much about this issue. But that's pretty much the the, the crux of it. Um, except for the fact that near the end and going into the end, we still get a, let's say a big tease as to the, um, the relationship between Peter and MJ. Like, we don't really get any hard, you know, hard answers to anything, but, um... But I guess we get a little, little more tease as to something happened. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it was kind of hard to hard to read because it was like, oh wow, that that's that's. I don't even. I still don't even know at this point what happened, but that hit kind of hard, you know. Like it, it, um, with the the conversation between uh, Peter and MJ, kind of hit kind of kind of hard just a little bit because of the fact that you're used to seeing him especially coming out of that last volume in a certain way right and the mystery right we've talked about this the right. mystery is still going exactly yeah, which is what, That's I was saying. what happened mm-hmm. yeah it's still going we are nine issues into this run and we still don't know the <clears throat> you know what transpired to put peter on the outs <clears throat> with the entire superhero community and with mj Right, right. Even Wolverine yeah. alludes to it mm, because he is, you know, a long time, uh, 
uh, crossover specialist, right? <laughs> <laughs> he is, you know, I, I almost felt like I was reading a 90s comic because Wolverine was playing a role in a Spidey comic. For right? more, than, it's not for more than one time. Right. I bet it's more than one time this week, actually. Right. So ultimately, um, I felt like, you know, and, and I'm, I'm still kind of struggling with this story. I mm-hmm. did appreciate the story. I thought it was very strong. Right. Um, I liked it. I don't think it approached potential click of the week status for me, but I definitely enjoyed reading it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. That little part with um, <clears throat> a teleporter that they end up using. I'm like, where this guy been? I mean, we kind of know. We don't think we've seen him in one of the Xbox fairly recently, but nevertheless, I'm like, I was never expecting them to, 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 actually, I think there was a couple of people I didn't expect to show up in, his, in, in Amazing Spider-Man. Wolverine, not aside, I guess. Um, so, there is that. But yeah, it was a good read. It was, like you said, it was, it was kind of up there, maybe, 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 maybe not the, the potential to the week status, but. Still a good read if you if you're still interested in the story. Um, I guess you're still looking up uh, whatever it is you're looking up, but I'm yeah, ten lives and ten deaths. That's the best I got so far. I'm looking okay. at the I was looking at the fandom.com, but I'm going to check the wiki because I'm pretty sure um, there was something else that really developed this whole uh, you know like the current state <coughs> that mm-hmm. she was in, you know, kind of being. Um, in between bodies, mm. you know that's a that's a mild spoiler, right? So I'm just looking. I'm double checking the. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm looking at the wiki and just seeing uh, what uh, you know where the. Um, uh, yeah, look. I guess it's mostly ten lives and ten. Oh, it was mostly ten deaths. Mm. But I feel like there was there was another book that really started to describe. Um, you know, like the the actual current state that Moira finds herself in. But I guess you just have to go back and double check uh, ten deaths really to 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 see how we've gotten to this point. Right. To which apparently I need to go back and read anyway. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> that being said, we're going to move on to the next book, uh, which is Iron Man number twenty three. Sure. Iron Man number 23 is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Angel Anzueta, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, VCs Joe Caramagna. So, there's actually a lot going on in this issue. There is an interesting amount of action in this issue as well because we get, um, you know, a, a generous amount of intrigue. Right. If you haven't been keeping up with this, this is Cantwell's updated version of uh, the traditional Armor Wars story. But it definitely plays out differently and it still keeps a lot of the continuity that Cantwell has supplied during this run in play. And I'd like that. Mm -hmm. I like that things are not, you know, what he's written in Iron Man's recent past are not just throwaway. He's building on them and incorporating them into his current story, which I don't know if this is the last story before he closes his run on the book. I know his end, his run ends this fall right. or this winter. So I don't know if that's the case. That might very well be. I think so. 
Uh, I want to say that it we're, is, actually. Right, that we're, that, you know, to quote uh, Doctor Strange, we're in the endgame now when it comes to uh, Cantwell's run on the book. But ultimately, um, you know, it, I, I really appreciated this issue for moving a lot of the plots and subplots along in a really, you know, strong fashion. I really did enjoy this issue. I don't know if it's um, potential click of the week status, but it's an enjoyable book. You know, and, and it really brings together a lot of some of the ongoing stories that have been going on since um, since Tony Stark had to give up, you know, give up that power that he that he that he obtained from what was it, the uh, Galactus' ship? Right. Right from the Tatu. Right. So once he had to give that up, we jump right into this armor war story. And, you know, it's it's to me, it's had some fits and starts, but I thought this has this really tied a lot of the story together. What did you think? I agree with that. Um, also, I have to con- um, congratulate or, or, or you know, give, give props to Cantwell because I think that, especially in this story, we have interestingly seen uh, a turn back just a little bit to a classic Tony. Where he's kind of taking things on himself and kind of internal monologuing is like, oh, putting the things, you know, putting things on himself is like, I gotta, I gotta fix this and this kind of stuff. Like that's kind of some classic Tony business, uh, and the voice that uh, Cantrell kind of puts on that kind of feels like he, he, you know, he, he's done. No, you that said I was about to say you said Cantrell. I'm like, no, it's not Blue Cantrell. It's oh, Cantrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. We always <laughs> find ways to make wacky, sometimes obscure <clears throat> music references on this show. I'm sorry to interrupt. Please no, no, continue. no. You're good. No, 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 no. That was good. That was good. Um, the the only other note that I was going to say on that is that in addition to uh, as Agent Seventy said, this being a version of uh, an updated version of Armor Wars, we really kind of see Tony get into a MCUI's version of damage control with how he's handling things. Because, um, you know, for, for those that don't know, you know, Armor Wars was the, him going after people using his, using his tech uh, so that, um, you, know, uh, you know, can't be used for, for, for bad. He's doing kind of a similar thing in this, except for he's, you know, taking other tech that's not his and storing it up which kind of made me think of, uh, like I said, the, the MCU version, or, or I guess in some version of uh, of uh, damage control, uh, but more of the, the MCU version because they're the one kind of stockpiling, stockpiling uh, tech at this point. So, whether that's intentional, I don't know, but probably is. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was like a deep cut in here with a, a an old. Um, an old Tony villain that shows up. And I don't know about you. I know you probably didn't, but I know there was a certain part when we got to an end where uh, something happens to a certain character. I was like, oh, God damn, not again. Right. No, I, I noticed it. I noticed it. I was like, <laughs> really? They brought this character back to do almost the exact kind of opposite character <clears throat> turn. Right. You know? I was like, oh. 
But at okay, Cam. Well, I I definitely get what era of Iron Man you grew up, you know, as a fan of. Right. Right. But at the same time, it also had me thinking. You know, was that Bob Layton? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, was that Michelini? Michelini? Writing, uh, writing it? Bob. Because I know it was Bob, Bob Layton doing the art. Right. Uh, probably I don't honestly remember. Um, I don't. Yeah, I know. Like that was pre. That was pre keeping track of the creative teams. I know. Yes, exactly. So, like the name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you if that was. If, if that's actually. Yeah, I mean, I, as a as a fan of the art, I always knew who the art was, who right. the artist was. I knew Bob Layton. <clears throat> Bob Layton had a weird way of drawing roadies, uh, short afro, um, uh, back then. Right. And and even Tony's hair was always kind of a little. Like borderline sketchy, <laughs> you know. Right. It was like a curly mullet, right? At that time, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember, I remember. So, but uh, but yeah, you know, like uh, I actually don't have my iPad uh, in front of me, so I so I mean I could look it up, look it up on Marvel Limited uh, throughout means, but it's okay. Yeah. But ultimately, um, I'm only passingly familiar with the character who is on the cliffhanger right. page at the end of the book. Are you familiar with that character? Yes, kind of. Um, it is it's definitely an old... Probably uh, more than me. Probably yeah. more than me. It's definitely an old Iron Man cut that I remember. Um, but at the same time, I was like, part of me had me thinking, I was like, wait, because of what we just talked about, the alluded to, and then this, I'm kind of wondering if that was a ruse. Uh, but I maybe I'm putting too much on you know Cantwell's writing. Uh, and thought process in, in this. Because I felt like what happened to Rhodey was like, well, that was like, it was just like, it was touched on, but it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really, um, like the last right. time he did something like that happened to him, it, it, it had a little bit more gravitas to it, put it that way. Sure, sure. I mean, it could <clears> be a triple cross. Right. You know, it could be a triple cross. We'll see. You know, I see what you're going. I see where you're going with that. Right. So we'll see how it develops. I'll be interested to see if that's actually what happens, right? Because even I was kind of like, "Oh, really?" Right. No. And you know, and it's interesting that uh, you know this was a nice. Um, it was a nice place to put this particular sort of pseudo big bad. You know, you know the person behind. Um, What's the what's the group? Source, Source control? control, yeah, right. You know, so you know, I, you know, it, it's interesting to see that this character was um was brought back to be you know behind that particular group, right? So, um, or at the you know, very least a face of, you know, exactly. And it's not you know, I I want to say I've I've almost always associated this character as being part of. Iron Man's like kind of pseudo villains gallery, mm-hmm. basically. You know, okay. Like I was never, you know, like I, I, I haven't always been the most consistent Iron Man reader, so I couldn't tell you for sure. Right. But you know, I've I've read it enough to to recognize most of the major players, but not all. And as a fan of the Ohatmu books, that's where <laughs> a lot of my knowledge, you know, of Tony Stark's history comes from. Right. Yeah, I uh, yeah, Iron Man was definitely one of the books I read in the in the early eighties because I was you know Avengers fans, so therefore I was getting most of the Avengers with, with the exception of probably as much as I hate to say this for uh, eight to seventy Thor. 
Although there was a, you know, when when Thor crossover with some stuff and and, and special times, I would get some Thor books, but mostly it's like Avengers, Iron Man, West Coast Avengers, and, and some Cap actually right. during that time too because of that. So, right, I was about to say I was reading Cap before that, not so much at that point. You know, like I was kind of in and out, and that's when they brought in John Walker, unfortunately. Right. You know, because that was the original Armor Wars time is when they brought in John Walker, the, you know, as the Patriot first and then as a replacement Captain America. Mm-hmm. So I definitely read some of that stuff because, you know, um, you know, and we'll move on very quickly, folks. Yeah. This is kind of like a nice little walk down memory lane. I love there's a there's a couple of Mike Zek covers from that era. Mm-hmm. And Cap get when when Steve Rogers resigns as Captain America. That are classic. That I was so happy to have Mike Zek sign <clears> for me <throat> because when I was a little younger than that, Mike Zek did some incredible interiors for Captain America books. He did the majority of the interiors for Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. So I was a I was a big fan of his as a kid, and I I've been blessed to have met him a couple of times at. Not at New York Comic Cons, but in New Jersey of all places. Uh, I've seen him a few times at cons in New Jersey because he's just not a fan of going into the city. It's probably just too expensive for him to make it into the city. Um, but I saw him in New Jersey, and I was very, very blessed to be able to get some really cool stuff signed by him. And those Captain America covers were like front and center, like probably some of the first things I pulled out to get signed. Right. You know, so happy. Yes, you know, but you know, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think I got the captain issue signed because I, I don't think my copy of that was in the greatest condition. But I definitely had bought the, uh, the the Captain America No More, where the the flag is 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 bleeding basically, and he's got his hands down, and Abraham Lincoln is in the 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 corner box crying. Right. (laughs) That's a classic, classic. I love that. That's that, that that image is ingrained in my brain. (laughs) <laughs> so, but anyway folks I'm sorry for that walk down memory lane I definitely recommend at least looking at those covers the story's okay but um, those covers are, are incredible to see right hey it's what the people are here for and they know we're of a certain vintage so that's but right with that we are going to move on to rapid fire yes I, we are spinning it up because I have few books and now we have no books in common left so here we go rapid fire time I ain't got time to read Okay, so first up for me is Captain Marvel number 41. Surprise, surprise. So it's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Juan Fregueri and Alvaro Lopez, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So I say surprise, surprise, because I have not really been keeping up with this book that closely. But I thought this issue, which wraps up the most recent storyline and kind of wraps up a couple of storylines that have been kind of that that Kelly Thompson has intertwined over the last, say, uh, two or even three story arcs, kind of wraps them up together in this one issue. And it is so effective. I only had a passing idea of what had happened and I and. And I thought that the way this story was told and the way that the art and the storytelling by Juan Fregueri and Alvaro Lopez on the book really helped bring the story together for me and to remind me what was going on 
what I, I kind of only vaguely remembered, I thought was really effective. Surprise, surprise, this is actually a potential click of the week for me because I thought this was such a strong issue that, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's examples of growth in both Carol Danvers as the lead character as well as her supporting cast. You know, we do have an appearance here by Jessica Drew, a.k.a. Spider-Woman. We do have uh, an appearance by the current version of Binary. And if you're not sure why Binary and Captain Marvel are existing separately, you may want to go back a few story arcs and find out what, you know, what happened. But that story isn't exactly wrapped up, but it does reach some level of conclusion basically to be continued. There are other interesting developments for some of the supporting characters. You know, I hesitate to call them side characters, but they're really supporting characters in the Captain Marvel book. So I really appreciated how strong this issue was. Next up is Daredevil number three. This is the last book I've got in my list because I already covered X-Men number six. Daredevil, Daredevil number three is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Raphael De La Torre, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VC's Clayton Cowell. So, the pacing of Daredevil has just about caught up with the pacing of another street-level turned not-so-street-level character, namely Frank Castle, the Punisher, the current Jason Aaron version. Right. The head of the hand. The the beast of the hand, right? Or the fist of I think he's the fist of the hand. Right? And or the beast of the hand. I I I you know, like it's been you know, like it's been I think a week. I think last week there was a Punisher book out. I just don't remember. You know, we read so many books, folks, even though I've only got six books down on my list this week, I read a few more. I just didn't feel comfortable adding them to my list to talk about. But ultimately the story of Daredevil in this issue catches up with where we find him at the end of the most recent issue of Punisher, where he finally meets up with Frank and they're on a collision course. Uh, the bulk of this issue is about Daredevil somewhat, you know, kind of wrapping up some of his business in New York because, or at least, putting in some FaceTime with his business in New York, you know, keeping tabs on it, maybe not finalizing things, but definitely putting in some FaceTime with the outstanding issues he would have in New York or might have in New York before he goes off to go meet up with Elektra, who is now another daredevil. You know, that's a minor spoiler, but it's been going on for a while. So it's not that big a spoiler folks. She's been acting as Daredevil while Matt Murdock was in prison over the la over the previous run of Zdarsky's uh, the the previous volume of Zdarsky's run on Daredevil. So all that to say is that we are moving forward in this partnership between the two Daredevils, and we're about to really run into how it all intersects with Frank Castle in the in the uh, the Punisher book. You know, we may detour a little bit in the Daredevil book 
but ultimately we're about to get to that point, if not the next issue very soon. Because I know that they have teased some relationship things happening with Daredevil and Elektra in the solicitations. I've seen that online. So in teases for, I think, December. So, you know, that's still a few months away. We'll see how uh, how the, the how the Daredevil book develops. It seems to be a step and a half or even two steps behind where the Punisher book is and Daredevil's appearance there. That seems to be where things are in terms of uh, the time frame. But ultimately, that's it for me. And I will hand it off to Rodicat. Well, in one way, keeping with the Punisher slash Daredevil train, actually, we go to Savage Avengers, number five. Um, the, the book that never dies, as we used to call it. <laughs> yes! Uh, but this is a different volume. It's the, it's the, it's the little book that could, right? Chuck Pretty much. Oh, man, man, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. The, the way the, the first volume came out and what it came out from... You would think it wasn't going to last that that much longer than it did, and then it it went. Even after hearing that it was supposed to end at some point, but we never got a clear. We ended up not getting a clear point as to when that win was. But nevertheless, it, it did end, and another volume came out. So technically, this is all new, all different, as the as the um, as the cover says, uh, Savage Adventures. But uh, in this issue, slight spoiler. <clears throat> Uh, the license for Conan the Barbarian um, is no longer with, or is going away from Marvel. So therefore, you had that you you had to wrap up um, anything using him. And this is the issue that wraps up his involvement with the Savage Avengers, which the book was um, um, pretty much made around him in the first place. So it's going to be interesting to see where this book goes after this, because, like I said, um, we pretty much wrap up um, <clears throat> Conan's story with this. But at the end of this, uh, we get introduced to a potential new uh, ally or member of the group. And we did talk about this in, a, in, a, in an article like a couple of weeks back. So if you've been keeping up with us, you this is not that big of a spoiler. Punisher 2099 comes in at the end of this book, hence the, the, the Punisher tie. It's not, it's not, it's not uh, Frank Castle, it's Jake Gallows, because, you know, obviously. And it's, and it's not Cosmic Ghost Rider, so the less we see that person, <laughs> the better. But nevertheless, like I said, um, the Conan story wraps up, but the, the team still is trapped in time, and um, I guess they're in... A, an alternate version of 2099, hence why they end up meeting Punisher 29 at the end of this book. Again, like I said, for a book that um, was pretty much made around Conan, the Barbarian, and now does not have the, him anymore, um, it's going to be interesting to see um, how long this book goes and where this book goes. Like, obviously, the cast of characters with this book, they're still... I guess you can still make the name stick for the for the characters in this book because you have Elektra, uh, Daredevil, you got Cloak and Dagger, you got Anti Venom, you got uh, Deathlock, you got Black Knight, um, and you got uh, Weapon H. You know, 
all folks kind of broken in their own different ways. Uh, and in fact, I guess some of that kind of gets uh, slightly addressed here. Because there's a budding romance, and there's also some change, some actual change happened to the characters uh, by the end of this book. So, like I said, we'll see where, where, they, where they take it uh, going, going after this issue. Anyway, that was supposed to be a rapid fire, and it was not. So, therefore, we're going to move into Midnight Suns. Um, I was about to say you gave all that time to Savage Avengers. Wow. Yeah, no. Normally, normally <laughs> that would be a, normally that would have been a couple of sentences and done. But like I said, I at least wanted to address the fact that Conan is no longer on the book. So right, and, right, right, right. But uh, Midnight Suns number one. Uh, speaking of books that come out of um, side things. Um, you know what? I totally forgot to give the thing, but I'll do that in a second. Uh, let's see. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, what? do you want the credits for? Uh, oh no, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. It's like, I'm, where did I mis- misplace my credits here? Uh, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Luigi Zagaria, um, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by BC's Joe Sabino. So this book, as I say in my notes, um. The Midnight Suns, or at least a version of it, get reassembled because they have a video game coming out, which is which is actually true because the Midnight Suns video game and the, the, a lot of the characters that are appearing in this book are going to be in that video game. Coincidence? No. But in in that begin in that case, um, you know, here is a story that, as far as I know does not have anything to do with the video game, however. Because like, this is, uh, from what I know of the story of the video game and from what, I've, from what I've read from this issue, they don't connect. Because this story has to do with, actually, strangely enough, um, uh, Blade basically comes visiting uh, as a guest, le- uh, uh, guest lecturer to Strange Academy. Um, one of the students, uh, because of one of the students, I guess, or something around one of the students, um, there is a mass uh, vision that is had by a lot of the mystic, uh, 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 mystic uh, aligned uh, folks of the Marvel Universe. Not just the folks at the school, but wider than that. So, uh, because of this vision, there's a, um, it looks like a, almost a prophecy-like thing that we saw in Strange Academy that is, uh, that is, that is, we're heading towards surrounding one student. Uh, and a bunch of people, for good or for ill, uh, coming after the said student. One of the person is a, a long-time uh, Fantastic Four villain. So you can pretty much figure who that might be uh, at the end of this. But yes, like I said, there's a cast of characters here that's going to be in the in the uh, the video game. So that is pretty much the the tie to that. But the story in itself, as as far as I could tell. Has nothing to do with the video game. Uh, next up, though, <clears throat> Star Wars is actually it's actually a not bad read, but you know, like I said, knowing that is kind of a, a tangential tie to that is it's, it is what it is. But the story might be all right. Star Wars OP One uh, Number Five, which is the last issue of this book. Um, excuse me, as I get the cover thing. Uh, the creative team is Christopher Cantwell, writer, uh, pencils by Adriana Mello, uh, inks by Wayne Foucher, 
and the colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. Uh, letters also by VCs Joe Caramagna. So this is the last issue of this book, which means uh, the storm is over, which means the last memory for Obi-Wan, uh, because this whole series has him, been him kind of flashing back to memories of, of, um, of him in his younger days. Except for that doesn't necessarily happen in this particular uh, issue. There's a, let's just say there's um, some, an overzealous commander wanting to make an example of the, uh, of the, of the Tuscans. And uh, as I say in my note, Akbar calls it again, let's say. Um, but Obi-Wan being Obi-Wan can't help but going out by being Obi-Wan. And um, there's an interesting um, shadow at the end of this book that I'm not entirely sure where this plays in because it could be one of two people uh, that 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 is representing. Uh, and since this is the last issue of this book, this, 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 I don't know where this is going to take up. But I, we are supposed to be led to believe that we know where this is. I uh, where this is going to have taken up next, because whatever it is, it's probably already happened. Uh, so there is that, folks. Let's see. Next up is, excuse me, Edge of Spider-Verse number three, which I believe Agent 70 said he kind of, you didn't, bro. okay, you didn't. Okay, this was not that one. I thought you said you would, uh, Sorry, I'm muted. I did not even have a chance to breeze through this issue this uh, week. Okay. So, uh, but, you know, feel free to spoil it. You know, nah. I know that, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before that these Edge of Spider-Verse books are often targets for speculators because we may get um, the next Spider-Gwen in them. So you never know, you yeah. know, because they do have a habit of introducing new characters. So feel free to talk about that. I'll make sure to take a look at it before next week. Right. Well, I know in one respect, let's just say that uh, has already happened online because of the next issue. Uh, because there is a out of a character crypto that some have taken to for a reason, but we'll get to that when, when we get to that. Uh, creative team uh, on the first uh, story, which is the Spider Spider India story. Uh, Nikesh Shukla, art by um, there's a lot of people on art on this one. Uh, art by Mark Bagley, David Baldion, Paco Medina, um, Geraldo Sandoval, and um, Abhishek uh, Malsuni. Colors by Edgar Delgado and Israel Silva. Uh, Andrew Parsley and Eric Arseniega. That's just the first story. Second story, Dan Slott writes it, art by uh, Samai Keskin, Keskin, and colors by uh, Brian Reber. The third story, uh, I believe, this, and the second story is the, the um, is uh, Night Spider. Uh, and the third story, which is Sakura Spider, is written by Shanshiro Kasama, uh, art by Hikaru uh, Suki, and co-scripted by Zach Davison, and all of the lettering for the whole book is done by VC's uh, Joe Caramagna. So, as I said, like I said, the first story, um, which has an interesting Into the Spider-Verse tinge to it, has to do with um, uh, Spider-India, because even the beginning, he's basically just kind of like, well, let's start this from the top. And if you remember that movie, that was said a lot in that. But basically, it's pretty much a trip through various versions of Spider-India. Uh, the second uh, story has to do with Night Spider, which is basically Felicia Hardy. What if Felicia Hardy um, 
uh, gets bitten by a spider. So, let's just say Felicia's still going to be Felicia. <laughs> of course. <clears throat> so, of course, that's implied by the cover, one of the few times where the cover actually pays off a little bit in the book. Mm-hmm. And the third story um, has to do with, uh, again, Sakura Spider, which apparently is a character from Deadpool uh, Samurai, which is the, um, I think it was the Deadpool manga that uh, Viz Media put out, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, because at the end of this, it says, hey, if you want to know about the earlier adventures of Sakura Spider, read the, the, the two volumes of that. So, but basically we get kind of an older story for that character. And, of course, in true Spider, Spider-Person family, has some um, familiar beats to it, let's just say, in ways. And that's pretty much that. The next book is uh, Miss Marvel and Venom number one, which I believe Age of Seven did say he uh, kind of skipped the room. Go. Uh, and the creative team is written by Jody Hauser, uh, art by Dave Wachter. I finally got that name right. Uh, hmm. Color artist uh, Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Travis Landham. So this is the the, the last of the um, basically the team up one shots that are all connected with Ms. Marvel and X group or person. Like the last one was Moon Knight. The the one before it was the X Men. And this is the last one, which is Venom. Um, and this is not Eddie Brock Venom, in case you were wondering about because Eddie Brock is no longer with us. It is his son, v- uh, Dylan, which I don't know too much about that character. I know they came out of um, the King and Black story, if I'm not mistaken, or that's where they got kind of um, a big push, I guess. A big, uh, that's where they were featured, correct? Do you remember? Oh, you mean Venom? Yeah, the, the specifically the the Dylan Brock version. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. The change that's definitely where that occurred. Right, right. So it basically is like the team up between that that version of uh, Venom and Miss Marvel, which, like I said, kind of uneasy allies. And I don't know too much about that particular this particular version, uh, um, outside of what I just mentioned. But it happens. Uh, the story pretty much wraps up, and uh, as um, as Agent Seventy said before the show, there there was some um, some good character, you know, notes uh, going on in this fight. But it just pretty much ended. There was a Akira reference, which I kind of appreciated, but I don't know if anybody else appreciated. definitely Moon Knight didn't didn't appreciate it because didn't know anything about it. I saw it. I mm-hmm. saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, even even I, you know, come to think of it, I had already watched. <clears throat> I had already watched Akira before my anime journey, right. but I think I rewatched it um, just to remember what happened. Right. Even though you know, because it's not really the easiest uh, movie to follow. No, it is not. Kind of. So kind of. Think I just. <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes in a couple of directions. Yeah. So uh, I definitely did rewatch it during my my anime journey. I actually um, just just to. Uh, uh, you have what? One more book left? Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll talk about my anime journey when we we'll get to anime corner. Yeah, okay. So, and the the quote unquote big bad in this story is, um, I believe it's a a group that we've seen in the pages of the X books. Yeah, Zeno. Right. You know the character Zeno. This is in X, the the characters in X Force. Right. Which and there's then, actually a reference to it in this book. Exactly. I was about to say that. So I'm guessing this is going to go back into that book, which kind of 
not necessarily turn me off, but it was like, okay, I was kind of expecting a little bit more of a finite thing. But then again, none of these, uh, like, one-shot team-up, uh, one-shot things have kind of paid off like that. But it was a nice, uh, nice, uh, end to the story. Like I said, whether that Zeno stuff kind of goes back into X-Force or not, I guess we'll see. Um, did you have anything to say about it, or? Just that, um... I actually didn't mind. I think did I mention this earlier? I like the character development yes, and and Ms. Marvel's, you know, handling uh, under the reins under the the direction of Jody Hauser. Mm-hmm. I you know not, we're not getting like the biggest character developments here. We're not. Right. But I really liked some of the the, the thinking behind the insight that she provides. And some of the character the character interactions that she has with the guest stars that she had so far, I really enjoyed that. You know, everyone from the X Men that she dealt with to Moon Knight to now Venom, and am I missing one? Or was it just those three? No, that's it. Yeah, right. So I really appreciated how she, how 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 Jody Hauser kind of, you know, compared and contrasted. Kamala's interactions with each and how she reacts differently to characters, one, that she's already worked with, and two, she has preconceived notions of. Right. You know, especially dealing with Moon Knight and Venom Mm -hmm. and the current incarnations of those two. You know, specifically that Moon Knight is now uh, leading the midnight, you know, his midnight mission. You know, like, you know, I really mean like the current incarnations. Right. As Radikat mentioned, the Venom incarnation that uh, that Kamala is probably most familiar with is Eddie Brock. And, you know, that sort of comes into play during their interactions here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in this issue, and, you know, now we're dealing with his son, Dylan, and, you know, that obviously changes the, the, the character's drive, motivations, persona, all of that. You know, obviously the symbiote is still going to be the symbiote to a certain extent, you know, there, there's still that interplay going on, but we have a different host. And so that changes the character fundamentally. And ultimately, it was really, I think, a good job by Jody Hauser. I really appreciated, you know, I had read these very quickly, and very, you know, like casually, not with an eye towards that. But I definitely felt like um, she had she she did a good job of developing that aspect of the Ms. Marvel character. Right. It's not necessarily like big things. Like we're not dealing with her family, but we're dealing with her interpersonal, rea- uh, with her interpersonal um, interactions mm-hmm. with uh, fellow heroes and even anti-heroes. Right, and, and like you said, she even uh, kind of uh, kind of gets addressed at, at the end of the book because she was like, "Yeah, I, I had some notions about you talking to talking about Venom." Uh, I guess talking to Venom about that, and she's yeah, she got to kind of even change. Even Kamala has to has to change her uh, her perceptions about certain folks. So it was a good turn. Um, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm still not I, I'm not that familiar with this uh, the the Dylan Brock version because the whole uh, and his interactions with uh, the symbiote specifically, mm-hmm. you know, and the intensity of it. So I was like, a, so part of that was like. Yeah, I guess that's what the character is now. So anyway, right. Um, last book for me is Godzilla versus 
Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number five of five. So this is written by, uh, story by Colin Bunn, art by Freddie E. Williams II, uh, covers by Andrew Dowhouse, and letters by Johanna, Johanna Natalie. So yeah, um, hey, guess what, folks? Uh, the Rangers and Godzilla pretty much take down Ghidorah. I don't see that, how that would have happened normally. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> Ghidorah is a force to be reckoned with. King Ghidorah, take me to your leader. All of that. Anyway, they take down... Uh, and the Zillions. I did flip through this yes. just to look at the art. Yes, yes, yes. And the Zillions pretty much took care of the, the Rangers and Godzilla took care of the... No, uh, it's the X-Zillions. The X-Zillions? I, I recently, right, I recently okay. rewatched some of the old Godzilla Monster Zero oh, slash King Ghidorah stories. Gotcha. So that's how <clears> they pronounce... Um, I think in the dubs, I think that's how they pronounce it, the exilians. Yeah, that sounds like something they do. But basically, everything kind of gets wrapped up. So the funny part about it was like, hey, Gator's been taken down, the aliens have been uh, taken care of, uh, Rita scatters, Godzilla still wants to fight, because of course, he's the king of monsters, so he's trying to get his. <laughs> and then the Rangers like, yeah, we should get out of here. So, and granted, that's kind of pretty much the... You know, skirting the whole story, but it's it's a interesting action packed read. That there's a little bit more that happens too, but that's the, the crux of it. It was kind of funny though, um, but it also leads into a potential um, another crossover or maybe a sequel. I'm not sure because at the end of the book, while Rita does escape, it kind of sets up something else. It even says like "to be continued" with a question mark because. Rita is somewhere, and the Rangers are back home, but it's don't know where she is, but uh, she basically could come up somewhere else, and the Rangers are going to have to go after her, so we'll see what happens with that. I took that as implying that there's a possibility of another Godzilla crossover as well. That's what I'm thinking, yeah, it could be a sequel, or, or you know, or like it's just going to another different Mighty Morphin Power Rangers crossover, because there have been a couple, so... But yeah, we'll see, uh, and I didn't see anything like already announced at, at the end of this book, because so, sometimes that has happened. So, if there is one announced at some point soon, we'll find out. And that, folks, is the end of uh, my books. Uh, one more thing, actually, real quick. Um, creative team for Savage Avengers is uh, written by David Pepos, Pepos uh, art by Carlos Magno, color artist Espen Grundigen, and letters by BC's Travis Landon. And now, Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week. And we've got a couple of them. Actually, we've got a full house. We got, I was about to say, you are correct. We have a full complement of Clicks of the Week this week. Mm-hmm. And the first one from Dirt is Amazing Spider-Man number nine. And I believe he had said something up to the point of, said it was fun. I'll skip the rest of that stuff. But he's basically been saying he's done reading uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and he'd be well, I mean, good. he doesn't. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I, I think you should actually mention that stuff that he hasn't been keeping up with the X stuff. Well, and yeah, right. luckily for him, he enjoyed it enough, even without knowing all the X stuff. Right, right. So, and we get, uh, which is which is a book I'm actually had intended to read, but I'm still need to go back and kind of read some stuff from Tim. We have. Batman versus Robin number one, which was a a, uh, a, a mini uh, event 
that I knew was coming because of reading um, Batman Superman World's Finest and also coming out of Shadow War, which Shadow War I haven't finished reading. So um, there is that. And I know the stuff in this book is supposed to take place, uh, have something to do with both of those. So I think even even Tim said he has to go back and read uh, read Wade's uh, World's Finest, which has actually been not bad so far. Um, so I, I will say that. You have yours? I'm having a tough time. I read a bunch of strong books this week. I really did. I really enjoyed a lot of the books I read this week, you know, specifically uh, AXE Judgment Day number four. I actually did like Amazing Spider-Man number nine, despite the fact that the mystery continues. It's so frustrating to a certain extent. I do appreciate the long game, but at the same time, I'm like, yo, we are nine issues in. We, you ain't telling us anything right now. Right. You know, how long is this payoff going to take? I, I actually, as I said earlier, really like Captain Marvel number 41. It's almost like I did not necessarily need to have read all the other stuff, but it helped. You know, like, and I've been in and out of the book for a little while, but I really appreciated how strong this book was, this issue. Um, and X-Men Red number six. Al Ewing did a bang-up job on this issue. As it tends to do. Bang-up, bang-up job. So I have literally four candidates to choose from, and I'm trying to figure out who best to pick. I may actually pick the Dark Horse candidate here, and I don't have a Dark Horse book, unfortunately. Sorry, Dark Horse. <laughs> but there is a Dark Horse candidate that's obvious from what I just talked about. And you know how you know how and you know and the list of books that I just gave, uh, gave everyone. Do you have a, a candidate, or, or or at least a thought process right I now? I definitely have a candidate. Uh, Amazing was actually pretty pretty good. Like I said, we still getting teased on. We still dangling that whole thing with MJ, and that's kind of frustrating. But you know, it's uh, annoying. <laughs> I'm so annoyed by it. I really am. So, but that said, it was still a relatively strong book for the nugget that we got. Um, I kind of like Midnight Suns, but that's kind of a book that is what it is, you know? And like I said, I'm judging it by the fact that I know there's a video game coming out that, that has to do with it, but at the same time, I sh probably shouldn't do with that, because the story has nothing to do with it, as far as I know so far, has nothing to do with that. Um, Axe is definitely another strong candidate. Uh, and in fact... Um, I think that's probably like, and Iron Man also was 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 a pretty good pick. Um, but I think I'm actually mm -hmm. going to go with X. This uh, day number four. Nice. I'm really leaning towards that mm -hmm. because I did enjoy. You know, like there's there's a lot of great storytelling twists in that issue. Right. Um, we talked about Tim's book, right? Yeah, Batman, Batman okay. versus Robin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, just you know, I was just I, I was literally going through my review copies just to, and, and and looking at that. I, just, I couldn't. Uh, I lost track of things. Um, man, I can't believe I actually have four. You know, like after last week where I was kind of like stuck, and we've had a couple of weeks like that over the last several, where you know we've been struggling with trying to find a book to pick. But I think. I think I'm going to go with my Dark Horse pick this week. Believe it or not, folks, over AXE Judgment Day number four, I'm going to pick Captain Marvel number 41. 
by Kelly Thompson, one for Gary Alvaro Lopez, Jordi Belair, and VC's Clayton Cowles. Just because I I really liked some of the things that Kelly Thompson developed over the course of the storyline and over the course of the last few story arcs. And uh, you know, this storyline in particular, I thought paid off so much. This issue paid off so much of the last several storylines. And and I don't know if well it's an issue number forty one I don't know if it was purposefully done to kind of wrap up the story and maybe lead into like a long arc that goes up to a big fiftieth issue I hope that's the case right. you know I really do because it seemed like you know a lot of stuff was you know wrapped up maybe not nicely and neatly here but. You know, it definitely seemed like they had wrapped up a few ongoing storylines in this issue. It was just so, so well done. So um, I'm going to go with Captain Marvel number 41. A really, you know, no, you know, like no pun intended. You know, I made my Dark Horse joke already, but a real Dark Horse pick for me. But I have to tell the, the, the listening and viewing audience that if you have not been reading Kelly Thompson's Captain Marvel, you should take a look at it. I think it's been pretty strong from jump. Gotcha. And that's, and, and it's safe to say that, <clears throat> just before we go on, like, it's, it's a pretty strong, it was a pretty decently strong week, but there was a lot of books came out this week. Also, worth noting, uh, Batman Day is on the 17th, and there was a lot of Batman books this week. <coughs> so, and even one of which that I uh, didn't get a chance to, to read, which I normally would have, but, you know, we get we we got a lot of it's a lot of books and not that much time, folks. <laughs> so that being said, um, we're going to push over into the news section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night. Which one did I say I was going to do first? Uh, you said Funko. Okay, I do have that first. Thank you very much for the reminder. Funko, fun at first sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. Now we get into the news. And we go into the cinematic news as we do about this time. First up... um. Marvel's Agatha Harkness spinoff reportedly gives Wizard of Oz inspired working title. And uh, so I guess if you're going around town <laughs> and you happen to see some, some people working on the thing, look for the working title of My Pretty, which you may or may not see on their thing. I don't know. I've never run into any um, productions because they don't do that kind of stuff here where I am. <laughs> I mean, we get lots of Law and Order here in New York City, but we definitely get a few Marvel things here and there. But most of the time, these things are filmed in other places too. Right. 
North Carolina, definitely. Not South Carolina so much. Some things, depending on what it is. But nevertheless. So, yeah. Um, looks like uh, Agatha Harkness, House of Harkness. Excuse me. Agatha House of Harkness. Um, oh, wait. I'm sorry. It's called Agatha K- uh, Coven of Chaos is the actual title. But the working title is My Pretty. And it's supposed to show up in July 20. Wait. No, that's when it received this thing. We don't know when this is. It's supposedly sometime next year, I think. Uh, January 2023, according to this article, when that potentially could um, come out. Next up. All right. So after various reports, Marvel has finally confirmed that the Hood will be the main villain of the Disney Plus Ironheart series. The casting confirmation came during the D23 Expo, the fan convention where Disney revealed trailers, casting, etc., etc. Anthony Ramos, the actor will be portraying the villain, and he appeared on stage at the convention where viewers got a sneak peek at the series. If you are not familiar with Anthony Ramos, you probably first saw him when you watched the uh, Disney Plus presentation of Hamilton. He was playing John Lawrence, one of the rebel, one of the, um, one of the, uh, the, the, the rebel confederates that, uh, that uh, Alexander Hamilton was friends with. <laughs> Indeed, you know? we have an, uh, another uh, ex-Hamilton person and a Marvel thing, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, you and and uh, what was it? Was it in the Heights that he was in? I I, no, maybe true. I'm mistaken. I, I, you I, might be I, right, I, actually. Is it in the Heights? Might be right. Uh, I'm going to double check. Yeah, actually, I was going to look real quick. Anyway. No, it is in the Heights. Mm. It is in the Heights, so okay. uh, yeah, uh, I see it. I don't even have to click on the link. It's in the the image that's under the IMDb link. Right. But now he's going to be an Ironheart as, as the hood of all people. Which, I don't know, that's still a strange villain, but sure, you've got to give her somebody uh, somebody that's going to actually be a little tricky. Well, didn't we, I was about to say, didn't we see an article like teasing the hood and saying that they were going to make this show like the interaction between the tech and the magic. And I think I saw somebody um, somebody say, well, if you're going to do that, it might as well be Doom. So, you know? So have Riri up against Doom as her first as her, as her first thing. They just want the Fantastic Four to come out. That's all that was. <laughs> we see right. what that is. And I was about to say, and, 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 and considering the D23 news that we did not get, right. I'll, let, I'll, I'll, let that, I'll let that one... Hang in the in, in the air. Yeah, we'll now. get we'll get to that in a few. Um, next Moving up, on. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder CGI edited for Disney Plus release, which I haven't rewatched this while it was on there, so I wouldn't have. Known, and at this point, I wouldn't have known what would have been what would have changed. So apparently, uh, somebody on Twitter uh, pointed out that Marvel fixed the, uh, the visual effects for Axel's floating head, which was a subject of complaints for fans, according to this article. I don't think I noticed it that much. Um, so users are also claiming that CGI adjustments don't look any better than the original. Again, according to this article, some would say worse, but then again, people are going to complain, whatever the case may be. Hence, She-Hulk, but we won't talk about uh, the, the recent news on that. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. But yeah, that's pretty much that. And even this article has a side-by-side comparison of potentially the old and new version. So, sure. Okay. 
There was also something else I came across recently. I think it was like one of those um, Easter egg videos. It was like, uh, or Honest Trailers, I think it was. for. Actually, it was Honest Trailer for Lo- Thor Love and Thunder. Cause where, where it was mentioned as like, yeah, the, the effects houses don't want to work with Marvel because, you know, because of something dissonant, because uh, of trying to get unrealistic expectations or something like that. I don't know. But it was an Honest Trailer, so you got to take it for whatever it was, which, you know, sometimes even in jokes, there's a little bit of truth. But next up... I just wanted to mention that um, uh, Anthony uh, uh, Ramos also played, you know, the, the the character, the actor who plays John Lawrence also plays Philip Hamilton, who, you know, no, no, mild spoilers here, does die in Hamilton. So, you know, I mean, it's a historical fact. So come on, folks, we're not really spoiling anything. Yes. Um, next up. So Thor Love and Thunder almost included a major religious figure. I love you know, these headlines, (laughs) right? So basically Taika Waititi said in an interview with the BBC that, you know, when he was asked about gods that came close to being included in uh, Thor Love and Thunder, he said that he was surprised the God of Dumplings made it because, you know, (laughs) he thought of this character while he was eating lunch. So, you know, that makes a whole ton of sense. He does go on to mention, and I thought this might happen, when Valkyrie mentions the god of carpentry, I thought that was an aside. That was a reference right. to uh, the one and only our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, sorry for the religious plug there, folks. You know, but ultimately, uh, I you know, when I when I heard that, I kind of got the, the reference. I didn't expect right. to see anything, but I got the reference. Right. Because, you know, good and well, people would have been complaining about whatever, you know, might possibly have been complaining about uh, however portrayal of him anyway. So, <laughs> but exactly. Yeah. But yes, that that so that is the thing, folks. Um, yeah, Jesus almost was actually in as, as opposed to being referenced. Uh, Black Panther two's Namor actor body shamed by uh, Marvel artist. This has been updated because I believe uh, said artist has walked back statements or whatever they may be, but uh. I, Apparently. Right, he took the post down. I did see yes, it he did. in its yeah. original form. Yeah, I did see it. So I, you know, I'm I'm glad that there's an update on this. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, former Mike Comics artist uh, Mike Diodata Jr. Diodata Jr. lashed out at uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever star Tanaka Huerta. Uh, this is according to this article on social media in an unexpected bout of body shaming. In a now-deleted uh, Instagram post, Diodato criticized Huerta's physique by comparing an image of the actor from the film's trailer to his own body. Uh, quote, you can tell somebody screwed things up when the character from the movie looks in, looks in worse uh, shape than the 60-year-old artist who drew him. End quote. So, and of course, he got backlash from fans, and that post was taken down, as was said, and... Uh, Oh, the story has been updated with uh, Diodata's statement regarding the post. But uh, I'm just going to put this up here. Okay, no, I'm out to So, Risa made a joke about the appearance of the comic book character on screen. They got out of hand because of internet haters. It doesn't necessarily sound like an apology, but sure. So, he went on to basically say he's, uh, he goes on to clarify it. I won't read the rest of it, but you can, if you're watching the video version, you can see it for yourself. And the article will be in the, um, in the show notes. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was in poor taste, 
but also I was kind of like, wow, I still have a, lo- a long way to go in my workout to be as cool as Mike Diodato. Um, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's right. Because, yeah, because he did. Yeah, because as folks can see, which I probably shouldn't be showing, but the <laughs> folks can see he's a side by side. Pretty, he's in pretty good shape for 60. Right. A side by side comparison that uh, um, that this Twitter account put up. I hate even mentioning this account, but nevertheless, mm. yeah. All right. Next up. Next, next up. I was about to say right Here we now, let's move on as fast as possible because <laughs> we're getting into D23 news. Yes. So the first article we have in our D23 corner is an article that lists every Marvel and Lucasfilm trailer that Disney released. Now, bear in mind, Disney did not release everything they showed at D23. That's right. Including Marvel and Lucasfilm stuff. But these are the ones that have made it out into the public space uh, at the behest of Disney, you know, in order to gain, you know, publicity and to gain traction for some of these projects. First up is Willow. I have to admit, I have never watched the original Willow. Have you? Yeah, it's been a while. Like, I, yeah, but I haven't seen it recently, put it that way. Right. So this is a sequel to the 1988 film about a wizard who few believe in, yet who saves the world from an evil sorceress with the help of a baby, a sorceress turned goat, and swordsman, two brownies, and a princess. Really? I really like that little recap right there. That's essentially, yeah. (laughs) Willow. Willow premieres on Disney Plus on November 30th. So we don't have to go anywhere. We can watch this in the comfort of our own homes, folks. And I want to say, I don't know if the movie is on the platform yet. I think it is. is I it? think it is. I think so, I've seen it on the on Disney+. Plus. Yes. On the plus. Yeah, starring... And actually, you said Sorcerer's Turn Go. You shouldn't have been... Ah! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't want to blow people's ears out, but, you know... <laughs> Because oh, I could have taken it. Yes, I could have taken it out of slow seen it on Disney Plus, you know what we're talking about. Exactly. So, next up is Star Wars Andor. I have actually not watched this trailer. I think I watched the first trailer. I've not watched this one. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to. It's going to come out in a week. Yes. September 21st on Disney Plus. So, we will have Rogue One. Is it coming out on Wednesdays or Fridays? Uh, I think it is a Wednesday. So we will have yes, yes six days away. Mm-hmm. So we will have some thoughts, <clears throat> very light spoilers because it will only have been out for a day when we talk about when when we convene again next week. But ultimately, Star Wars Andor premieres September twenty first. So you know if you're not excited, if you're not hyped already for more original Star Wars uh, live action content. Take a look at this trailer. I don't need to watch this, to be honest, because I'm going to watch Andor anyway. Yeah, I saw I, I watched it um, and you know, just kind of confirms. Like, yeah, it was kind of more of what you've seen in the first trailer. But it, there were some other things that was in there. So, yeah, I'm more interested in this than I thought I would be. Um, I mean, love it, as a lover of Star Wars, that's that's one side. But, you know, like there are some of the side stuff that's been kind of, like, that, that's good. But it wasn't really necessary. Um, mm-hmm. Not to not to point out anything particular. but this one looks like it's going to be different because it's going to be a little more gritty than what we're used to with star wars stuff so i'm kind of interested in that anyway well yeah in the vein of rogue one right exactly which is this is Definitely coming in the vein of rogue one which is where you know this is a prequel to that exactly oh and also um 
Yeah, that was, that was, that was like, I think, so this was, there was rumored that this was the project that She-Hulk got out of the way of, because Sea-Hulk is still going on, but I don't know if there was any actual truth to that or not. Because I remember I mean, when they were talking. I think there's going to be right. There's going. There was always going to be a little bit of crossover in terms of release dates. Right. But yeah. But so. to keep them from having to come out on the same day. Right. Sometimes they, right. they tend to do. It makes no sense for them to do that. You know. Yeah. They're competing against themselves. That's that makes no sense. I agree. I absolutely positively agree. But nevertheless, right. it happened, or it could potentially happened. Next up. Sure. Though. Next up. Next up is Star Wars: Tales of the Jedi. This is basically a Dave Filoni anthology series mm-hmm. with, with because it's in the Clone Wars. I have not watched this. This is in the Clone Wars vein. It, uh, the Tales of the Jedi show includes episodes focusing on the training of Ahsoka Tano and the rise and possible fall of Count Dooku. All six episodes will start streaming on Disney Plus on October 26th. So we have a little bit more than a month left on that one. Next up is you watch that the trailer. Mandalor- oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying you should watch that trailer. I will, I will. I just haven't gotten around to it. Things yeah. have been hectic. Yeah. Next up is The Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, this We're one I getting didn't watch. another season. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? I said this one I didn't watch. I've watched this one. Um, the, the, tr- the teaser trailer is light on plot, but shows The Mandalorian reunited with Grogu. We got that at the end of The Book of Boba Fett. Oh, I'm lying. I did so, watch this. But that's spoiler. Right. I did watch this. I'm lying. So. Right. And plenty of action involving other Mandalorians like Bo-Katan, played by Katie Sackhoff. The Mandalorian returns for season three in the not-too-distant future of February 2023. Shout out to Mr. Sackhoff. It's going to be here so soon. So next up, I think, no, there's still a few more. My goodness. Secret Invasion. Right? So this trailer is out there. I've watched this once. I'm probably going to need to watch it again, but it involves lots of appearances by characters we are familiar with that revolve around Sam Jackson's Nick Fury, including shield agents, um, ex shield agents, uh, government. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know them as shield agents, right. mm-hmm. um, ex shield agents as Roddy cat mentioned, uh, members of, uh, the department, the United States department of state, you know, one Everett K. Ross. I thought I was surprised to see that. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Same here. Uh, obviously, Rhodey is going to be making an appearance here because I believe he's in the trailer. He um, is. Olivia Coleman, uh, you know, in, in a new uh, in a new role, pops up in the trailer. The six lim- this the six part limited series is set to premiere sometime in 2023. Uh, Disney also finally announced that Rhodey, uh, played by Don Cheadle, is finally getting his own long-rumored Disney Plus series, Armor Wars, that seemed to be a missing piece from the announcements during San Diego Comic-Con. So, before you go on, I was going to say, you, Rhodey was a surprise to me in this in this one, for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Um, but from what I'm understanding, potentially Armor Wars is going to come directly after this. But we don't. We won't know for for sure until. But, but I might still. have. I might have heard that. That's why right. I wasn't surprised. Right. But I did. But his involvement in this was is the surprise. So, <laughs> but it kind of makes some sense, I guess, if certain things happen. Put it that way. I mean, it's interesting that. Well, one. Uh, do we have an article <clears throat> about uh, Cheadle's Marvel contract being up? No. Well, that came out this week. You know, he revealed <clears throat> it this week. 
Gotcha. And I thought it was interesting simply because we saw Rhodey in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and now he's going to be in Secret Invasion and then be in Armor War. So maybe that is why his contract is basically up. Right. Because he's already used up all those appearances that he was contractually obligated to make. Right. Next up is Werewolf by Night. So this was an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. So it was a black and white trailer. And it stars Gail Garcia Bernal as the lycanthropic, lycanthropic protagonist, Jack Russell, not a terrier. <laughs> it also gives us a, a brief glimpse. I actually missed this the first time around of Man-Thing. Yeah. But it does debut on Disney Plus on October 7th, just in time for Halloween. Yeah, they, they, it was a kind of, as some people are saying, kind of a grindhouse, grindhouse look to it. So. Um, right. Um, in terms of another trailer, they did give a season peak for the second half of She-Hulk. Um, you can watch that. You'll be able to see some of the things that they are teasing for the second half of the season. Um, they also made some announcements that were not related to the trailer. Do you have other articles on this or do you want me to cover this? Uh, no, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So first up, it's, there's not an official trailer for this movie, but Marvel revealed the cast for 2024's Thunderbolts movie. The film follows a squad of reformed supervillains, so reformed. It's not the Suicide Squad, <laughs> but allegedly reformed supervillains, super which star which which will star David Harbour, who plays Red Guardian, Olga Kurilenko, who plays Taskmaster, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who plays uh, the Contessa de la Fontaine. I, I love that this, arc, <laughs> uh, this article calls her Fontaine. I'm like, no, it's the Contessa Allegra de la Fontaine. Come on. <laughs> Lawrence Pugh, who plays Yelena Belova, Hannah John Carmen, who plays Ghost, Wyatt Russell, who plays Bougie, uh, 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 just bad U.S. agent, and Sebastian Stan is back playing Bucky Barnes, so he is apparently not going to feature in the next Captain America movie, or because he, this is probably... No, he, he might. might. Yeah, he might. So I saw, I think, when William Bruce West was like, uh, I really want to see what... Uh, um, um, uh, where the soldier gets into in the next Captain America for him to join the, the Thunderbolts. So I mm, thought that was kind of funny. Mm. Also, That's an interesting thought. Yeah, but we don't know. Yeah, we don't we don't know the, anything or, around whether that's one has to do anything with the other. So, right. And finally, Marvel <laughs> Studios announced the release date for the next Fantastic Four movie which is set to premiere on November 8th, 2024. It's not a real date. Folks. What's that? That's not a real date. 2024. What is, what is even that? So details <laughs> about the cast are still non-existent, but we do know that Matt Shackman, who directed WandaVision, will serve as the director of this movie following John Watts' departure in April. Kevin Feige said we'll have to wait until next year's D23 to find out more. <laughs> but yeah, there, there, that is what it is in a nutshell. Um, actually, I don't know why I have this. Oh, okay, that's right. As a, a follow-up article to that, actually, uh, you could have, uh, I, I should have told you to take in, that kind of has some tidbits that weren't uh, about some of the stuff that wasn't um, talked about, which we're, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because you talked pretty much talked about the, the final points of everything. Um, 
in the Captain America, speaking of Captain America 4, we find out that Tim Blake Nelson is going to reprise his role uh, as the leader. Well, excuse me, reprise his role, whether he becomes the leader uh, in, in the Captain America New World Order, we'll see. And, of course, uh, Carl Lumley is back as uh, Isaiah Bradley, and um, Danny Ramirez is returning as uh, Joaquin uh, Torres. So... Is the Tim Blake Nelson one coming back as uh, from the uh, from the Hulk movie? That was the one. That's that, like, the news, right? Like why why that movie? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's interesting that they would use a crossover villain for this movie, right? And not <clears throat> and not incorporate another or kind of reinvigorate another member of the Cap Rogues Gallery for this, right? You know, Cap doesn't have the best rogues gallery in the world, but there's some stuff out there that that could be repurposed or reinvigorated or just re or just introduced, you know, for Sam Wilson to take on. Right. You know, there's still some out there. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, they, some of them are a little bit more on the supernat supernatural side, like the Serpent Society. But in terms of uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America. I'm not sure if he's really had a chance to develop his own rogues gallery yet. Not really, no. Um, you know, from the from from the few times that he's you know been in a solo book on his own, I don't think we have much of a record of his rogues gallery. Like I said, Steve Rogers doesn't have the biggest rogue. Obviously, he's got some really solid ones, you know, some long-standing ones that we've seen, but. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, I don't think Steve's is 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 that strong when compared to other characters. Right. But and, I don't know if Sam has anything right now. Right. So, but I think there's some characters that they could have repurposed and not brought over the leader. But it's in a surprising place to bring the leader because they don't want to introduce the leader probably in a Hulk movie because that involves Universal Studios. Right. Plus, it sounds like if She-Hulk is in the indication, they're taking them back to Sakaar. So maybe they're just still, they are actually doing Planet Hulk if they're going to do that. Possibly. 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 And, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll introduce the character there to bring him back somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. We don't, we don't know. It's interesting. I thought that was a really interesting development. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, weird. Um, I think the other tidbits in this uh, other article is that... Um, Loki season two was talked about. Uh, he has a new cast member in one, Kihui Kwan. I apologize uh, for butchering your name, but some of us of a certain vintage know him as one short round from the Indiana Jones and the Temple uh, and uh, the second Indiana Jones movie. How about the Temple? That is Temple of Doom. Yeah. So and also most recently, uh, every everything everywhere at once. So right, those pictures are awesome. Yeah. The uh, the one with that, him and uh, Harrison Ford, yes, with Harrison mm-hmm. Ford and Kihui Khan. Yeah, yeah, right. And there's also another D twenty three picture with the cast of the Marvels. Yes, yes, with Harrison Ford. Those are some incredible photos. You know, with the you know what, what, what's what's really heartwarming is seeing Iman Volani and yeah, Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. You know, together interacting. You know, specifically them because they're like literally holding each other up mm-hmm. at one point, mm-hmm. and Iman Vellani is like literally fangirling 
with her eyes closed in a group photo with I forget the um the other actresses, one of them who is very visibly pregnant. Tiana Paris and, who played um Is um, that I was about to say I did not mm-hmm. recognize her probably because she's got like that pregnancy weight on her right. face that I just didn't recognize her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monica Rambeau. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. She's the one you know, she's the one in WandaVision, right? So I did not mm-hmm. recognize her face. I felt terrible. I was like, right. is that her? I didn't I didn't go to look specifically for you know sure. like pre-pregnancy photos right but when i saw that photo i was like i think that's her because the tall one's not her right right there's a right. tall actress there and i'm like that's not her i think it's got to be the pregnant one right but it just didn't look you know familiar to me because she's got a lot of and no no i don't i'm not taking shots here it's a literal fact she's got pregnancy weight right no she looks good yeah no no she, she so, looks good um, also, but did you see the, the, the picture of, um, Mom Vellani and Harrison Ford, Ford? Just the two of them? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen the ones with the cast of the Marvels. I've not seen the ones where it's just the two of them. Yeah, it was too cute. I had to, I had to see if I could find it. Um, but it was, it was too cute. Uh, but yeah, so there was that, Locust Season 2, and then we talked about Iron Heart stuff. Uh, they had, um... I think they had a first look of uh, Black, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. There is a poster that is out there now uh, that showcases uh, Shuri, Ramonda, and uh, I believe Nakia, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's see. And then, of course, the, the aforementioned Marvel's uh, stuff that with the cast was all there. And they had a nice little... There was a video. There is a little piece of video of them kind of... After I guess after whatever presentation, them hugging and, and jumping, you know, it was, it was also mm-hmm. cute. Um, Charlie Cox and, and um, Vincent D'Onofrio, I believe, was also there for Daredevil: Born Again, uh, and uh, Echo also. The cast members was there. There was also um, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania presentation, and Paul Rudd was there. Evangeline Liddy and Jonathan Majors, who we know is playing Kang. Uh, but none of that video for anything that I just mentioned uh, has uh, shown out, shown up anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty much that, though. But yeah, so there was a, there was a lot going on in D23 this weekend, uh, including some stuff we'll talk about uh, coming up. Uh, oh, yeah. And this next story uh, also was a thing that wasn't even in that article. But go ahead. Sure. So Captain America announced that it has cast Israeli hero Sabra, like the hummus, folks. Like the Hobbits. <laughs> Pretty sure you uh, had that first, but yes. The movie, right, the movie will feature the MCU debut of the Israeli superhero Sabra. So the announcement came, as we said, at D23. Israeli actor Shira Haas will portray the hero. Okay. So, Contest of Champions win! I mean, I think that's her first appearance, right? That is yes, that is absolutely her first appearance. Uh, uh, but I know they're not, they're, they're probably not going to do Cosmos of Champions in the MCU. Actually, you know, I was about to say it says here in the article though, created by writer Bill Mantlo and artist Albusema, Ruth Bot Seraph, aka Sabra, made her first appearance in a cameo in August 1980's Incredible Hulk 250, before properly debuting in Marvel in February 1981's Incredible Hulk 256. Uh, she's a mutant with superhuman strength and the ability to transfer her life force to other people. She's also skilled in weaponry and hand-to-hand combat and can fly with the help of her anti-gravity wristbands. 
So I definitely remember her in Contest of Champions. Right. But apparently she made her debut just a little while earlier. So, okay. you know, no, no. Contest of Champions is definitely early 80s. So mm-hmm. this is just prior to that. Right. And probably if I, well, if I had remembered the hot, old hot move or even going onto the wiki, that probably would have said something like this. But I don't, uh, like you, I remember her from Contest of Champions and not Incredible Hulk. Because I don't even think I was reading Hulk at that time. So... But there you go. Nevertheless, she's going to be in the MCU and she's going to debut in Captain America New World, World Order. Right. Uh, I was about to say, I was really young at that point, so I don't I don't remember much of the comics I was reading at that age. Yeah, like I said, I, there's, there's certain ones like that, that kind of impressed upon me as a... As a right, that are memorable. Right. Exactly. Like Contest exactly. of Champions. Like I said, anytime something Contest of Champions related, you know I will always uh, say something about it. That and Secret Wars and or, you know, <laughs> a couple other things I won't mention. Sure. Um, um, Rep. Bill Foster. Anyway, next up. <laughs> Poor Bill Foster. Yeah. Next up, I think that's you. Oh, is it? I thought I did the Sabra one. Okay, I'll do it then. Uh, Star Wars Rebels actor teases probable live action crossover. Uh, and this is uh, Star Wars. I was about to say, I made the hummus joke. Oh, yeah, you did make the homo joke. Um, Jim Cummings, prolific voice actor, uh, but some folks may know him as Hondo Anaka in uh, Star Wars Rebels, um, teases the possibility that he might play the actor again. I know for a fact, well, actually, technically, that doesn't count, because there's a video game that was just re-announced, but it was basically a a newer version of, of said video game that he is in as Hondo Anaka. Nevertheless, um, says he was asked whether he'll portray Hondo again, either in either the second season of The Bad Batch or in a live action project. He says uh, during uh, he was asked during a panel at Dragon Con. Says probably yes and yes. He responded, but they haven't talked to him him about it. Uh, don't know why. I mean, yeah, I'm there. I ain't going nowhere. End quote. <laughs> this is <laughs> listen, unbelievably. The Hondo character remains a powerful presence in the Filoni verse. Right. And, you know, the Filoni verse corner of the Star Wars <clears throat> universe. So, you know, he's even appeared, he's in the Galaxy's Edge, right? Right. Which is the, which is the affirmative, yeah, which, yeah, he's in actually, within the video game was based off of uh, Galaxy's Edge that he's also appeared in. So, yeah, I believe yeah. his voice is in Galaxy's Edge, which I want to go to one day. <laughs> right, so so you know it's you know I always have a soft I've 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 long had a soft spot for Hondo. Yeah, same. Hondo's a great character. Even like it's weird because his his character started out kind of serious and then they kind of lightened him up and made him kind of look, look, in Rebels. Look. Yes, right. exactly. So it's because he aged, right? That's the thing. He aged right. in in real time because he was in Clone Wars and then we find him again in Rebels. Right. So, but yeah, so so they gave him some character evolution. Yeah, yeah. All for the better, I guess. Um, yep, yep. Right. But now, I was next say, I'll up. Take the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Star Wars The Acolyte adds after Yang's Jodie Turner Smith. So, the upcoming High Republic set Disney Plus show by Russian Dolls Leslie Headland also stars Amanda Stenberg. So, uh, it seems that, um, you know. The star is Amanda Stenberg. Now, actress Jodie Turner Smith is reportedly joining the mix in an undisclosed role. So, uh, Turner Smith is not a household name yet, 
but she's well on her way to that status. The, you know, she's recently appeared in the year's underrated sci-fi film After Yang and co-starred with Nope's Daniel Kaluuya in the buzzed about 2019 drama Queen and Slim. She's also in the upcoming Adam Driver film White Noise and the Adam Sandler Jennifer Aniston sequel Murder Mystery 2. Okay. I might be wrong about this part, but I want to say she was the one up for the part of Reva in um in Star Wars Rebels, but she had to bow out because of scheduling conflicts. But I might, again, be wrong about that. So, but nevertheless, looking forward to, to seeing her in, in this. More, I was about to say, in a different Star Wars role. Right. <laughs> so, Star Wars Ahsoka, speaking of, uh, reveals first look at Sabine Wren at D23 Expo. So, we already know, Latasha uh, Liu Bordizo is the live-action version of Sabine Wren. Uh, and, of course, D23, they had a, a, a bunch of folks... Uh, uh, out for various projects, including um, Ahsoka. And it says, Oh, when speaking with a Hollywood reporter about filming the series along uh, Bordizo, uh, Ahsoka actress Rosario Dawson guessed, It was just her birthday. We both had our birthdays on the project, and it's like we're having the best birthday present ever in real time, but it's also getting sad because it's almost over. Hopefully, we'll get a sequel. Uh, Dawson crossed her fingers, I guess. So, yeah. Um, and I guess there was uh, also a probably familiar-looking mural uh, presented. Uh, if you are a fan of Star Wars Rebels, that was on stage uh, uh, at that said panel. So, right. And if like, you're watching, we don't have. Well, I was about to say we don't have a face. You know, like a <clears throat> face, like a frontal shot. Right. But that shot look. You know, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know what. What's in the article looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching the video version, you're seeing uh, you're seeing the picture that we were talking about. And you should watch the video sometimes. Uh, next up. All right. So speaking of that Ahsoka show, it it has been revealed at D23 that uh, the casting <laughs> for the live action infamous. <laughs> Ezra Bridger has been made, according to the Hollywood... Re- actually, no, it's actually according to the Hollywood Reporter. I thought mm-hmm. it was at D23. According to the Hollywood well, I mean, Reporter... Well, it was, but yeah. Right. Iman, or Amon Esfandi, will play Ezra Bridger in Ahsoka. He'll join Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, N- Natasha, Liu B- Natasha Liu Bordizo as Sabine Wren, and Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston will also play a role in the project, but it's not clear who she's going to play. So, as Fondy's credit, the the actor playing um, uh, Ezra Bridger include playing Sam in 2019's Austin Weird, Barry in 2021's King Richard, and Ismail in 2022's The Inspection. Still heretofore unknown to me, which means... Hello, Korath. Where are you? <laughs> Where are you, Korath? Who? Thank you. <laughs> so, with the if you're watching the video, you can see the, the picture of the actor alongside uh, the, the character he's going to play. Not a not a bad um, look. No, they got the schnoz right. Yeah, sorry, basically. Folks. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> also, oh, sorry, folks. S- slightly punchable. So, because I, I, I yes, <laughs> yes, yes, because Ezra Bridger is definitely punchable. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, Ezra is not a uh, not a favorite character around this part. He he had some growth near the end, you know, near the, but he was still snotty. He was yeah, yeah. He's still down on the uh, on the tier list. So oh, I mean, you know, after you know, like he he does good by Ahsoka, right? Sure. But definitely, you know, leading up to some of those parts, he's just kind of annoying. Yeah, he was no, he was. Plenty annoying from from the yeah get, from the get from jump right yes. from jump no that's no that's no joke that's so. no joke but like I said he does write by Ahsoka a lot yeah in in Rebels yeah. you know like uh, you know it it seems like that's the one character you know that 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 he did write by everyone else he was kind of you know because he lived with so many of the people on the Ghost for so long mm-hmm. that he rubbed all of them the wrong way at some point at some point yeah shout out to Chopper who always <laughs> always gave him shit. Um, yeah. but yeah, so that's, <laughs> so yeah, um, and obviously this is taking place, you know, uh, after the end of Rebels where, you know, I guess presumably they're going to be looking for him, uh, and, uh, Thrawn after, after what happened at the end of Rebels. So still curious as to how that's going to play out. Uh, next up though, Star Wars Skeleton Crew reveals the first look at Jude Law. Um, this is another D23, um, um, uh, reveal. There's an image, as you can see on the screen, if you're watching the video version of him, um, with some weirdly familiar looking ball things. I don't know if that's like part of the set or if that's like the, some behind the scenes stuff, but it really reminds me of another old 80s space movie or those, mm. no, actually it's those things that came out, the, the, if you remember Return of the Jedi, it's the thing that came out and, uh, asked, uh, 3PO, what business you got it there? Is it's that thing, or it's three of those things? That's what it looks like. But it also looks like some films from an old '80s movie. Either way, there's Jude Law, looking all Jude Lawish, I guess. We still don't really know what exactly uh, Skeleton Crew is about, but it says here that uh, of course there's another Dave Filoni joint. Takes place. Oh, here we go. Takes place following the events of uh, Episode Seven, Return of the, uh, Six, Return of the Jedi, which is the same period in which the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, is set. Uh, the project will center around a lost group of children, and was described uh, as it was described as its announcement as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming of age adventure films of the eighties. End quote. Otherwise, that we don't, we still don't know that much more about that outside of that. And I think that's pretty much the most that we've gotten about it so far. So, Next up. Next up, announced at D23 2022, The Bad Batch is back with Season 2 beginning on January 4th, 2023. Literally around the corner, folks. It's going to consist of 16 episodes. Two episodes will drop together on its premiere day with weekly episodes to follow. I'm excited. I like The Bad Batch. Well, Roddy can't catch up before Season 2. Only time will tell. <laughs> well, we'll see if he watches that first or reads Hulk Future Imperfect. I can safely say one will probably happen before the other. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's two issues. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So this next one, I'm not gonna go. Th- I'm not, we're not gonna go through all of these because this is like slightly outside of the. The, the the comic book realm, but nevertheless, it's still stuff from Disney Pixar. So yeah, there was some Disney Pixar uh, stuff that was announced. Um, Hocus Pocus two. There was um, I 
Which like uh, Peter and Wendy, uh, something uh, Mustafa, Mustafa, Mufasa, excuse me, The Lion King. That was a project. Little Mermaid. Say which, again. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, the Little Mermaid. We got a first look at that, and stupid people on the internet was tripping about that. Yeah, you know, half fish people. Right. Happy black. Right. Right. I know somebody said, like, yeah, nobody complained when um, uh, uh, um, Angelina was green for Maleficent. <laughs> so, but um, I, heard, I saw someone I saw someone tweet out with all the people that were thrown overboard during slavery. You think yes. one of them? So, <laughs> yes. You think I saw that one tweet. of the uh, one of the people living under the sea wouldn't have gotten busy and you know? Next thing you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I saw that tweet. Uh, yep. So, uh, Inside Out 2, um, Iwaju, I don't know if that's pr- uh, pronounced, that's the way it's pronounced, but it's a, um, it's a collaboration movie between Disney Animation and Pan-African Animation Studio uh, Kigali. It takes place in a fictional version of Lagos, uh, Nigeria, and, and the movie is set to arrive on, on Disney Plus in 2023. Uh, that's, you know, there's a couple other things, but like there's, there's Disney and Pixar stuff. Uh, for the coming year. So, next up. All right, the new trailer for Black Adam has confirmed that the Justice League somehow remains an active team in the DC Extended Universe. In a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment during Hawkman's virtual call with Argus officer Amanda Waller, who I was surprised to see in this trailer, the words Justice League appear on the call screen under the list of Waller's known affiliations. Okay. Okay. What, did somebody just look at the who's who and put it in the in the? <laughs> and put it in the I movie. mean, at the end of the day, it was just a screen reference. You know, it was like it was right. a reference on the screen. But uh, at the, at the same time, um, they did mention it during Peacemaker. Mentioned the Justice League during Peacemaker, so they're still around. Yeah. And this this picture that is being wait, shown. Did, wait, we watched you watched Peacemaker with us. You know, with yes. us you know, together, right? Yeah, so, we watched it you know, over we time. Did yeah. get, right, we did get a uh, a cameo at the end. So. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're still active, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this picture that, that, that from this tweet is doesn't really show a whole lot. Like, it's, she's you see, and uh, Magda Wall's name is just kind of cut up. Maybe if you click into it, it's a little bit more. But we don't need to necessarily go into that. Oh yeah, it does say Justice League right there, but like it's kind of cut off. So regardless, sure, I didn't watch that last uh, Black Adam trailer. But <clears throat> speaking of though. Aldous Hodge is serious about getting Hawkman right for uh, Black Adam. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, as folks, uh, leverage his own uh, Aldous Hodge. I know he's played in other stuff, but that's where I know him from. Um, he's going to play Hawkman. Uh, he basically says here that uh, during a press uh, event where the studio unveiled the new trailer for the film, those in attendance got a chance to ask the stars to of the film questions, and one asks the Hawkman actor how he was going to play the role differently. And he says, I mean, because there's a lot of history to figure out uh, where to start with this character, which is true. And for me, uh, and uh, for what we did, talking to Jam about, or Jama Jamie, I don't know, about the direction on the narrative was, it really came down to what we know and love as fans. Whatever that means. So... We'll see how he's portrayed whenever, when uh, I mean, when, when Black Cat, uh, Black Adam come out. Maybe he read some stuff. It doesn't say really say here that I know of, but yes, he's committed to getting it right. But it's also Hawkman. Hawkman. There's really not much to get right or wrong, depending on you know 
I was about to say there's there's been a few interpretations. I know, but, but it still kind of comes back to kind of one or two things. Exactly, <laughs> wings, mace. Right. So next up, you know, Thanagarian cop or Thanagarian something else. Exactly. You know, it's going to be human, his, not gonna, so human. Right. There's only a couple. <laughs> right. Complicated history of Wishaira from that maybe reincarnation or not. Or you not know. so much. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so scary how much we've, you know, you know, how much information we've garnered over the last, you know, decade, basically, almost of, of doing the Combo Chronicles, folks. Pretty much. And some of that came from Justice League the cartoon. So <laughs> that's true. That is so true. Um, Justice League Unlimited and Justice League the cartoon. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Blue Beetle star Susan Sarandon provided some new details on her villainous role in the upcoming film. So she told this to Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show, so that's why I never heard about this, because I was <laughs> never watching that awful show, and that moron who laughs at all of his own oh, jokes. Man. I'm sorry if you like Jimmy Fallon, but yo, real shots fired at Jimmy Fallon. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> I open up the minigun on him. All of it. I had to open up. You know, go John Wick on that moron. Anyway, folks, I do not like Jimmy Fallon. Come at me, yo. Um, She says that, um, you know, she's happy that um, the the family of Jaime Reyes is uh, Mexican and the actors are all Mexican-American. There's plenty of Spanish dialogue in the movie, so there will be subtitles. But with with regard to her character uh, as a villain, she represents... The white military industrial complex. So she had a fabulous time because for her, there's nothing better than being bad. Okay. Yeah. You know, you sure. know it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a that was a that was a really old musical reference, folks. She's 75. Wow. Listen, good for her. Yeah, really. Because apparently she also came out as bisexual recently and i'm just reading something that says she's 75 but either way you know yeah oh she's actually she she's actually playing victoria cord mm-hmm. who was created specifically for the film and the character shares <laughs> the last name with ted cord the second individual to hold the title of blue beetle right which that 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 info i'm pretty sure we've talked about before so mm-hmm. just didn't really have much more than that some sad news, though, and I know Agent 70 knew about this, uh, but Paper Girls has been canceled at uh, Amazon after one season, but will be shopped elsewhere. Yeah, I tweeted about this. Mm-hmm. I was very disappointed to get this news, to hear about this. That This is such a poor decision, but I'm glad that it's going to be shopped elsewhere, as Roddy Cat just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still have yet to watch it, but I've heard nothing but good things from folks who have watched it, so... Um, I recommend it, folks. Paper yeah. Girls is an enjoyable watch. I really hope they find a home for the show because it's 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 well written and it's well acted. This feels like and a what Netflix. More can you ask for? Right. This feels like a Netflix thing, but who's to say at this point? With, with I mean, with, Netflix with cancels things left and right, so it's hard to say. Right. So it's just a shame that Amazon decided to cancel this. It did not get, you know. Uh, 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 I can't, and I apologize for not. I I, I want to say it was. Uh, uh, um, someone replied to my tweet, and it's a, a constant follower of ours. I can't remember offhand right now who it was. I think it was Von Gloom. Oh, it? okay. Yeah, yeah. Von Glum? Von Glum. Von Glum. Formerly, no, yeah. Uh, formerly and 
still kind of known as Ronald Lum, yes. <laughs> right. I think that's who it was who said that Amazon failed to promote Paper Girls well. And I agreed with that. I definitely mm-hmm. agree with that. Obviously, we were bombarded with uh, Rings of Power stuff. But Paper Girls just, you know, was very much under the radar. But I knew about it because we, you know, we're a comic book chronicles pod. We're a comic book podcast. Right. We call the comic book chronicles. Right. We've talked about the show coming up. And while Tim Dog ninety eight, our co-host, um, was reading the book, I I had only read the first issue. I really enjoyed the show, so I definitely recommend it. It's still living on Amazon Prime right now, Prime Video. Right. So you should go and and take a look at it, folks. Yeah, like I said, I think I, I'm putting it out here. I, I don't know if I have nothing to go on or whether this would actually happen, but I feel like Netflix feels like they could pick this up. I, I, know, that's, I know that's usually the first place people look at, but if you think about stuff like um, Stranger Things being on there and whatnot, that's why I say that this would probably be a closer fit to something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know who, who's to say where it's going to end up, but hopefully it lands somewhere. Could be who for all we know. Next up, though. Yeah, next, next up. So the Quantum Leap reboot has debuted uh, its first mind-boggling trailer. Mm-hmm. Raymond Lee's Dr. Ben Song makes an unauthorized leap into the past in the first official trailer for NBC's upcoming revival of Quantum Leap. So interestingly, this actually is set 30 years after the events of the 1989 series of the same name, and it actually, you know, makes reference to that first series. Mm-hmm. It's actually 2022. It's, it's being set in, which was funny to me when right. I saw the uh, when I saw the um, trailer. So there yeah. it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it it looks good. I guess it does kind of harken back to some stuff. Like obviously, it's a little different because it's a different time and you know different cast and you know. Um, so I'm a, I would I would definitely check it out. I think it's gonna be on Peacock though. <laughs> well, that sucks. I mean, I don't think it's gonna be exclusively on Peacock. I don't know if because, uh, but I know it's definitely yeah. It says it's going to be uh, yeah September nineteenth, which is actually shoot a couple of days from now. Now on NBC, on NBC. right? Uh, with new episodes available to stream on Peacock the next week. So yeah, so it'll be on network TV. So if you got a DVR, nice. you can you can can handle that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to checking that out. Hopefully. I'm, I kind of wonder if uh, Bacala, Bacala is going to somehow pop up. He's not. He's already come out and said he's not. Oh, uh, okay. Well done. There's a recent R- – I, I want to say I saw it on my social media feed today. Gotcha. Oh, that's a bummer. But, yeah. Yeah, you'll find, I was about to say, unfortunately, I spoiled that article for next week because it yeah. came out today and Roddy Cat sometimes um, doesn't pick up, like, the breaking news on the day of our show. Yeah, sometimes. So, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it happens. It happens. It's okay. Never does. All right. Anime, anime corner. All right, here we go. Anime corner. Anime, anime. Um, go for it. Sorry. Oh no, I was about to say uh, I did the quantum leap, so you're up next. Uh, okay, well, fine. I was going to give you this one, but uh, Yasuke live action adaptation coming to Netflix. So this was a report from the the a reveal from the Hollywood Report. Not a reporter. Yeah, you, you kind of yeah. So it must be a typo. Revealed that um, the the star of the smash hit Lupin will be taking on the role of legendary samurai, uh, and that would be. So basically, if you did not know, Yasuke was a uh, was a um, uh, basically an anime about a black samurai mm. uh, on Netflix. Um, 
and now there's going to be a live-action version of that anime, uh, adaptation of that anime, uh, why, where they don't, they, oh, on my side, or on my C, uh, from Lupin, from that Lupin live-action thing that, um, uh, Netflix did, and, and a few other things, he's been around a, a, a couple of projects, uh, is going to be the, the main character of that, um, and, uh, some other people, oh, Boris Whitaker is the executive producing, and some other people are involved with this. I've never, actually never watched that. I had been meaning to watch that anime, but I have not. So, curious that it's getting a live-action adaptation. So, next up. All right, so before I get into the next story in, in Anime Corner, I wanted to give a quick update on where I am in my anime journey, uh, which began during uh, the pandemic and has continued. I actually started watching The Way of the House Husband. Nice. Unbeknownst to me, it's actually on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, did, I thought not, I told you. That. I did not know that. I yeah. had to Google that. I was like, why is this not on Crunchyroll? I was like, husband. I typed that into the search <laughs> bar. I'm like, what is going on? And then I went to Google. They were like, it's on Netflix, and you subscribe to this, so click with it, click this, and it'll open. I'm sorry. I thought so I, I told like, you. Okay. I had no idea. Right. But that's the beauty of anime nowadays is that it's available on multiple streaming platforms. Yep. So um, that's where I am now. I watched the, the, the first, you know, it's it's a little different because <laughs> the, the animation style is different yeah. and the storytelling style is different. Right. But uh, it's enjoyable so far. I'm still pretty early on, but it's a very short, like, what, mm-hmm. 10 episodes? Something like that. First season or first part. Yeah, I believe it is 10 episodes because it's like it's like two quote unquote seasons. Is it? Yeah. It hasn't has not come out yet, or no? I thought. Uh, well, let me phrase that. I think there was supposed to be another part, another part, or another season supposed to be out by now. So oh, all I, right. So it's upcoming still. I well, no, it might be out, but I'm not sure because I feel like I've I've seen. The, I'll I'll check, but yeah, keep, keep, you keep all right. Out. I was about to say, but that's that's where I am right now, and I'll I'll, I'll get on this story while Roddy Cat's looking that up. And I and I I'm I'm glad that I got this story because this has actually come up in one of my group chats with one of my members of my anime advisory board. <laughs> Chainsaw Man. When I saw the trailer, I was like, really? Chainsaw Man has announced the release date. Chainsaw Man's on the horizon, and the show promises to be one of the biggest anime drops in some time. The series has a hit manga under hand already, and Studio Mappa, and that's probably why. Uh, this particular member of my advisory, my anime advisory board, uh, was big on this because Mappa has been behind some of the best mm-hmm. uh, anime adaptations in, in recent times. Mappa stressed its adaptation of Tatsuki Fujimoto's story will be as authentic as possible. So now fans are just waiting for the anime to launch very soon this October. It's actually slated to go live on October 11th. So at this time, fans are not sure what time slot the series will have in Japan, but they can expect a late release. After all, MAPPA Mappa has assured everyone the anime will not be censored and Chainsaw Man is gory enough to warrant a late night slot. So we'll see when it drops in America. Yeah, but it's probably going to be on Crunchyroll anyway, so whether they do anything with that, I don't know. I doubt it, though. Right. Chainsaw Man. Yeah. That character is wild looking. When I saw that, when, when that trailer got dropped in the group chat, I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I'll be into this, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. So going back to Way of the Husband, I guess it hasn't uh, come up yet. But there is a basically a live action 
version of a way of the house husband called the ingenuity of the house husband that is also on netflix netflix yeah. okay i'll take a look yeah. but that's live action yeah so i guess it, so i guess the other part hadn't dropped yet i thought it had uh that's weird anyway uh but it but it's a good show regardless um the next other movie is finally coming stateside this month so, um, Crunchyroll announced that it has acquired the re- release rights for English dub and subtitled versions of Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, Kukuru's Kuk- Domes Island. I don't know how to pronounce that name, sorry. Um, the latest film in the legendary Mecha, uh, Mecha franchise, of course, if you don't know Gundam by now, I don't know where you've been, um, set during the events of the original Gundam's anime One Year War. The movie, directed to, uh, by Yosakazu uh, Yasuhiko, the character designer and, and animation director for the original Gundam, as well as the artist behind the manga adaptation of Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin, follows um, Gundam pilot Amaru Ray and the crew of the White Base as they in- investigate the mysterious, mysterious island of no return. Uh, to clear it of supposed enemy forces, only to counter a group of children orphaned by the war and a strange man uh, who is a former former Xeon pilot. So weirdly a little bit of um, Iron-Blooded Orphans, but going back to the original series. So I might have to, might end up checking that out, I'm sure. Next up. Bleach Thousand Year Blood War has received complaints from other production companies due to its massive voice acting cast. So the upcoming series was at the center of complaints from other production studios because of its large cast. Many in-demand voice actors lent their talents to Thousand Year Blood War, affecting the production of different anime series from other companies. Noriaki Sugiyama, the voice of Uryu Ishida, noted a list of performers revealed the number of episodes and when a person will appear. The most significant number of voice acting talent was 80, causing delays in other anime productions due to scheduling conflicts. So, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, actors that I'm not familiar with, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, they are, they, you know, uh, if you go through this article, you'll see that they appear in some popular a- uh, anime, including Demon Slayer um, and, and other, and other, uh, that, that's the one I, I recognize, mm-hmm. you know, Slayer. so ultimately those are, um, you know, uh, competing for some of the same voice talent. Right. I have not watched Bleach yet. It is on my list, folks. But it's long. That's my understanding, correct? It is, yes. Fairly lengthy. It's not One Piece lengthy, but it's, but it's, it's lengthy enough. Um, right. I mean, One Piece is ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's, it's that's, not that. That's definitely, you know, that's definitely, you know, even even members of my advisory board are, are just like, ugh. You know, they're <laughs> even hesitant to get into it. You know, I'm just yes. like, I don't know if I'll jump into that. You know, I tried Naruto and I was like, oh, nope, I'm stopping that. And, you know, we're going to jump into something else. So I'll try to finish off um, The Way of the House Husband and then take another short break and figure out what I'm going to watch next. Three hundred and sixty-six. I mean, by that point, I was about to say, by that point, I think maybe My Hero is going to come back out in October. That's, yeah, back to the truth. And, in fact, uh, I believe this is coming out in October also because I believe it's on, yeah, October 10th is when uh, it is. the Thousand Year Blood War was on. So I told myself, like, I got, like, less than a month at this, or about a month, or less than a month at this point to catch up with the rest of Bleach, which I'm looking here, 366 episodes, and I believe I was somewhere in the 70s. Oof. 
Yeah. So it can be Ooh. done, but that's a that's a that's a challenge. That's a that's a that's a that's a a pretty big task. Yeah, that's, that's a little heady. But even with the way I've been, that's a <laughs> big task. I feel like I can do anime a little bit better than I do live action stuff, but at the same time, that's still a, a big. I ask. mean, are you watching the dub though? Is there a dub? There is a dub. Uh, in fact, okay. if there's a dub, it'll go faster because it's in English. If you're reading subtitles, you might fall asleep. Trying what? to concentrate on subs. No, nah, I'm pretty good at that. Um, actually, I'm not sure which one I was watching. Now that I think about it, I might have been watching the dub. I think. The only reason why I say that is that sometimes I'll nod off if I'm in the living room. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it happens. Watching. I'm not saying it doesn't. Yeah. Right. I'm watching the. You know, I'm watching on the big screen. If I'm watching on a laptop or on an iPad, I tend to actually stay awake mm. because you know you're just more intent on what's in, right in front of you. But when you're watching the big screen and focused on the smaller text on the screen, yeah. you just sort of get tired. Yeah, that's fair. That's just been my experience. No, like that. You know, I don't, it I don't have any um, vision, knock on wood. I don't have any vision issues, right? You know, you just get tired. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, like I said, it is fair because it's like a, it is a thing that does happen, so I'm not saying it doesn't. Um right. But yeah, like I said, that's a heady endeavor even, even where I am. But like I said, it's still no one piece, thankfully. Uh, and now we are going to go over into the comic book news. DC just destroyed the Omniverse. Spoiler alerts. Uh. Uh. Uh, E, where are you when we need you? (laughs) And this is spoilers coming from, uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number four, which I think maybe came out last week or something like that. I don't know. I'm not keeping up with that mess. So we don't know why. And I guess that's, that is what this article is, uh, is asking the question. Like, why did they do it? (laughs) And then it goes into how it happened and all that kind of good mess. But, um, I'm not, we're not going to go into that. Just know it happened, but now it's not. So next up. All right, so in a preview of an upcoming one-shot that's going to drop... That dropped this week. week. Mm-hmm. Did not read it. Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League. Wonder Woman number one. It's written by Teeny Howard. An art and cover by Leila Del Duca. Um, it premiered... Uh, it, it, it flourished a shiny... It, no, it displayed a shiny new set of armor for Wonder Woman Diana. Pr- uh, Diana Prince, that is. In her very own one-shot. Okay. So it seems to be a nod to the Golden Eagle armor that was adapted for live action in Wonder Woman 1984, a movie we shall not speak of again. (laughs) Oh, that weird plot line. Um, Next up. I mean, seriously? Seriously? Why? Anyway. Uh, Actually, hmm, I'm going to rearrange a... um, Rearrange something. You take that nerf. Why? Uh, you'll you'll see why when we get to it. Because it's something I told you about earlier. Uh, I literally t- just asked. Why? Okay, so you want me to take the nerf one first? Take the okay. nerf one, yeah. All right, so nerf sets phasers to foam to celebrate the Star Trek Next Generation's 35th birthday. 35! Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm th- because oh, yeah, I'm too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> so Hasbro Pulse is releasing a limited edition Nerf rifle based on Star Trek: The Next Generation's phasers to commemorate the show's 
35th anniversary. Good God! Ah, <laughs> uh, so there are pre-order solicitations on Hasbro Pulse. Uh, the Fireable Foam will manifest as a set titled Star Trek Starfleet Type 3 and Type 2 Phaser Blasters. Goodness gracious. So I'm sure Roddy Cat is scrolling through this article, but the big thing you need to see is that promo image of the two weapons in Nerf form. And and here's the best part about it. Like I kind of want that rifle. The phaser, not so much, but the the rifle. It's the basically the rifle from First Contact, where where, where, where Picard is like, uh, <laughs> the line must be drawn here, and then he bangs the thing up against the glass. It's that basically that uh, uh that rifle. I kind of want it. Okay, man, I don't remember that, but okay, I do. Because that scene just was like, because like, okay, Picard just spazzed out. <laughs> Oh, was it First Contact? Yeah, I think it wait. Yeah, I think it was, I yeah, it was, yeah, so it was First Contact because Alfred Wood was in it. Never mind. Either way, um, and that's who he was talking to when that, when that scene happened. Um, okay, so what order do you, are you going in now? Okay, so I'm taking the, the one before that, and then I'm going to get the rest of this because it's all video game news, or the next four. Okay, please, thank you. Yes, that, which is why I, what I told you earlier. So, Mortal Kombat creator asks fans if they want a Mortal, uh, Marvel versus DC game. Yeah, good uh, luck with that. I know, yeah, because yeah, let's face it, we know people want it. What's the hold up? Marvel and DC. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and I've, I've seen the scuttlebutt about this online. I even saw the poll and, and put my two cents on the poll from, from, from uh, Mr. Boone. Um, and apparently it looks like, which I don't even know why this was, was a thing, but as of this well, as of this screenshot, 40% um, is in favor of a Marvel, Marvel versus DC game, which, duh, um, followed by another Mortal Kombat and another Injustice, which I wouldn't mind another Injustice game either, or even even a Marvel game is done, but that's the last on the list. Like, Marvel versus DC is a, is a fighting game that people have been wanting probably since um, that, that DC versus Mortal Kombat. Probably even when NBC actually <laughs> first started coming out. Who knows? Whether we're ever going to get it, hell will probably freeze over. But nevertheless, that poll is still out there. Um, well, it might still be out there. Um, and a lot of people have voted for it because, of course, they do. You know, of, course, <laughs> because of course, that happened. Anyway, um, Evil Wesley Crusher is coming to Star Trek MMO. So, um... Uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Wesley Crusher returns to the Star Trek universe in an evil mirrorverse form next week. Well, probably by now. None of the because this is a couple days old, uh, or a couple of weeks old at this point. Um, in Star Trek Online, uh, which is which is a good game if you like MMOs and Star Trek. It's great. I, I love that game. Uh, but anyway, Will Wheaton will voice the will reprise his role, but this time he's going to be Emperor Wesley Crusher and as the leader of the mirror use universe Terran Empire in the game. Um, which, yes, that is a thing, of course, because of Star Trek. So, let's see. Uh, Emperor Wesley Crusher seemingly retains the godlike powers of the prime Star Trek universe's Wesley, which were given to him by the Traveler, if you remember that episode of the uh, of TNG. Um, and, let's see, yeah, Star Trek Ascension, which is the expansion that is, uh, that he's uh, going to be in, has launched on September 13th. So it's out there for you if you are wanting to uh, check that out. 
Next up, Lego Star Wars uh, The Skywalker Saga is getting another 30 characters, uh, which I'm sure this news is probably going to be in another article that's about to come up. But nevertheless, there it is. Um, I won't go through all of the characters, but basically uh, characters from Clone Wars, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Rogue One, uh, to name a few. Alright, uh, preview cards for the, uh, excuse me, the first cards for Lorcana, Disney's answer to Magic the Gathering, are spectacular according to this article. Cool. So we talked about that Disney Lor- Lorcana game uh, when it was announced uh, right before the uh, D23, and apparently they had uh, some preview cards uh, that was at D23, and I, and I think some people got some of them that I think about it, which made me upset that I wasn't at uh, D23 for once. Nevertheless, uh, the official name of the first set of cards due out in the fall of 2023 is called uh, Disney Lorcana, the first chapter. Um, and it says, uh, it says here that uh, designers tell Polygon that players will take on the role of illuminaries, illumineers, bringing the life glimmers of classic Disney characters to the battle, to battle on the table. Um, there were seven cards shown for different characters. And uh, there's special cards and mechanics uh, that's shown on the card. And like I said, I think people got a set of them. If you're watching the video version of this um, of the of the show, you can see the, the cards in question. Six of them, I guess. Yeah, uh, of them and who are, is represented on the cards. Uh, oh, there's a close-up looks. But yeah, nevertheless, those are the first looks. I'm pretty sure if you're a card game person, you've probably seen uh, that stuff by now. And now, folks, Disney and Marvel Games Showcase number 22, everything that was announced. I'm not going to go through everything on this list, but the stuff that is pretty much germane to us is that there is uh, a game featuring, well, excuse me, a team-up between Captain America and the Black Panther, um made by Skydance New Media, and it is a story that is set in World War II. Uh, looks like it's got four characters, so it's probably T'Chaka, Steve uh, Rogers, uh, Captain America. I'm not sure who this soldier is, and it uh, looks like uh, Adora, uh, Dora Medellin. Uh, I don't think we have any names in here, but, but basically that was um, shown at DC, D, announced at D23. Let's see, uh, Marvel's Midnight Sun get a release date. And um, switch the uh, switch version is TBD, but who cares about the switch version? Uh, let's see. It says uh, December twenty. Excuse me, December second, twenty twenty two is the release date for Marvel's Midnight Suns video game. Uh, and looks like there is going to be prequel shorts beginning October thirty first. Uh, that kind of run into the game and give you the backstory on the game. Tron Identity is a new visual novel adventure from uh, uh, Mike Bithel Games, uh, who, if you're in video game space, is a, is a noted uh, video game de- developer. Um, hopefully, this is better than that John Wick game that that, that this company did. Nevertheless, uh, so yeah, there's going to be a new Tron game. It's a visual novel, which is weird. It says, uh, follows Query, a detective program tasked with solving the mystery of an unprecedented crime. Won't be out until uh, 2023, so it'll be some time for that. Um, there's a Marvel World of Heroes, uh, which is a new AR game in the vein of uh, Pokemon Go uh, by the same developer. Uh, let's see. 
says it will let fans create their own superhero and team up with their uh, favorite uh, Marvel characters in the real world. It says those who are interested can pre-register now at MarvelWorldOfHeroes.com ahead of its global launch on in 2023. Um, Marvel Snap is going to release date, which I just got something on that um, relatively recent about pre- pre-registering on it. Marvel Snap is pretty much the, the, the card game. Uh, kind of like Hearthstone slash and Magic, but a little bit simpler. Uh, October 18th, 2022 is the, going to be the release date of that. And you can re, uh, pre order, pre register for that right now. I know people have been running that. Let's see. Uh, so Aliens Dr. Scent, Gargoyles Remaster, uh, video games is going to come out on Modern Costume. Uh, that Disney Dreamlight game is going to add, um, a Toy Story Realm. Uh, everything else in here is like, oh yeah, Disney Speedstorm, which is the Mario Kart. Uh, oh, Marvel Story Forces to add Red Hulk. Everything else is like Disney stuff, uh, more Disney, other Disney stuff, and um, so the like. So if you want to check out what some of the other stuff is, you can go to the article in the show notes. Next up, now you can k- get back in here, sir. <laughs> Now I can unmute! <laughs> unmute! Hot Toys announced a new Valkyrie figure based on the character's representation in Thor, Love, and Thunder. So the one six scale figure is ready to join Thor and Mighty Thor to defend the Asgardian people as accessories include her Dragon Fang sword, a pair of daggers, a Thunderbolt spoiler alert, a portable speaker, and an attachable Korg face sculpture. Again, another spoiler. You can pre-order your Valkyrie figure for $270 from Sideshow Now. Again, it's a Hot Toys. It's going to be wildly um, detailed and articulate, So, and they command the big bucks for said things. Yep. Pretty much. If you want to pay it, go for it. (laughs) I like the figure. The figure looks great, but uh, that's a lot of money. Listen, there are some people who will pay that. Oh, absolutely. It's not a cup of tea. Right. Like I said, I I would like the figure. I'm just not going to... That's a lot. Um, Shout out to Tim Dog for for uh, for this next story. Uh, Dr. Doom gets his own Marvel podcast series starring Dylan Baker. I think that's a, that would be a who for me, because I don't know who that is. Oh, for real? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what so. either. So here we go. Who? So, yeah, Marvel Wastelanders podcast series is continue with a new show headlined by Dr. Doom. Monday, September 12th, uh, which is, I guess, it's already out, so you can go check it out, uh, which was the launch date for Marvel's Wastelanders Doom. Um from Marvel Entertainment Series XM, of course, if you did not know that already. It's the fifth installment of that series. Uh, we won't go through the rest of those. Actor Dylan Baker returns to voice uh, Doctor Doom after playing the villain in Marvel's Wastelanders Star-Lord. Um, Mark Wade and James Kim are the co-writers on Marvel's Wastelanders Doom. Uh, and then it just goes on with the, the, the people behind the scenes on that. Uh, let's see. After 30 years of imprisonment, uh, Dr. Doom has freed himself and seeks revenge on the former allies who portrayed him on the day the villains won. Um, to achieve this, he teams up with Valeria Richards, the daughter of his most hated enemy. Um, whose side is she on, really? 
Which, you know, hey, we all know Valeria has, a, has always had a love of, uh, of Dr. Doom. Uncle Doom. So that's not a big surprise. But anyway, it goes on from there. Um, um, but by now, if you're interested in that, you will probably have checked it out. Next up. So at D23, Marvel celebrated Spider-Man's 60th anniversary by offering two special variant covers for the recently published Amazing Fantasy number 1000. And they were given to attendees of the Marvel Comics celebrating 60 years of Sp- Amazing Spider-Man panel. And uh, the two covers, one was by Umberto Ramos. Mm-hmm. I think both of them are. Are they both? I thought so. I watched that panel, and I thought they said both of them were, but I might be slightly wrong about that. Uh, but the one that's being shown in this picture is definitely Humberto Ramos. Right, right, right. I don't know if because I def yeah I definitely recognize that. Right. Um. Yeah, they might both be. Yeah. The other one's not as clear as the first one because the other one has mostly Disney characters in it. Right. But I guess based on the depiction of Spidey in that, I think you're probably right. I think it probably is also Umberto Ramos. Right. Because like I said, I remember watching that that panel. As a matter of fact, that panel is still out there on YouTube if you want to check it out. And I think I have a link to it in the show notes, if I'm not mistaken. And they, they shouted out Umberto Ramos, who was there at, at the panel. It was Nick Lowe, cool. it was Nick Lowe and uh, C.B. Sobolski basically talking Spider-Man, talking, you know, just going through. And Nick Lowe has a lot of energy, apparently, because he was talking a good bit. <laughs> so, but yeah, if you're interested, in that, that's out there. Next up, though. Okay, yeah, I'm going to try to take a look at that. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Mayor Luke Cage wants New York City to work with villains. And this, right, is, this uh, is this week. Yeah. Yeah, this is this week's Daredevil. So, yeah. I didn't is... talk about this, but yeah, that's part of the story. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 8 to 7, they already talked about this, uh, this issue, so we won't go really go too far into this, but apparently that is a thing now. Right. This is the this is what I was referring to when I said Daredevil kind of doing getting some face time with his New York issues that have happened during Zdarsky's run on the book, you know, right. in the previous volume before going off to deal with Elektra in the hand mm-hmm. or dealing with the fist that is the the counter group to the hand. Gotcha. Who is the Stromwind siblings? Is that something from new to I mean, Devil's Reign? Okay. I Devil's I Reign and the Daredevil run preceding it. You know, they're they're kind of like a uh they they were um they're basically like uh really rich people in new york city that were kind of pushing wilson fisk around believe it or not oh okay it's about to say they're like the struckers but i guess not and no 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 they're they're really not nice rich right. people gotcha so like the struckers <laughs> well without i don't believe they had powers right right or without the Racism, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. no, I think there's some racism in there, too, but definitely oh, okay. definitely not the powers. Gotcha. From what I remember, I mean, listen, I'm going to click, I'm going to type them into Google and be like, oh, look, they had superpowers at one point, but I don't think so. Right, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right, next, next up, up, Alex Ross's Black Panther number 12 cover shows, kick, uh, shows T'Challa being apparently expelled from the Avengers... So this is just a, a preview of issue number 12 as part of the solicitation for Black Panther uh, number 12. So the, this book is out in December at some point, mm-hmm. and it looks like um, uh, Cap is telling uh, T'Challa to bounce, and the other kind of uh, main Avengers group uh, are just kind of watching him walk away. 
they, you know, they, they, they do mention in this article that um, the, the Tim Dog 98 mentions in this article that Cap had mentioned something to T'Challa in recent page in the recent Black Panther with that weird, um, you know, the first book coming off of that Civil War story. Cap himself mentions to T'Challa maybe he's uh, uh, not ready to, to jump right back into the saddle as a chairman of the Avengers. Yeah, I feel like we we didn't we may not have talked about or that chairperson. Chairperson, yeah, sorry. yeah. But we might not because we talked about that book last week. But and I don't remember if we talked specifically about that particular part of it though, right. which was at the beginning of the book. Because we right. because that but good job, right, good job on uh, uh, at Tim Dog ninety eight on that one. Yeah, reminding us of that. So yeah, that's that's a thing. Which given this current crazy storyline, which we already talked about, go back to last week's uh, 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 episode. <laughs> Why go through all of that to, to do this if that's the case? But I guess we'll find out. So, mm-hmm. uh, new ongoing Scarlet Witch comic series cast a spell to unlock Wanda, Wanda Maximoff's full potential. Uh, so, Scarlet Witch will return in January with a new, uh, with a brand new ongoing solo series. Um, a groundbreaking new chapter for one of Marvel Comics' most beloved characters, Scarlet Witch, will be written by Steve Orlando, known for his thrilling uh, current run of Marauders and last year's Darkhold. I don't know that Darkhold. Okay, anyway. Um, and drawn by Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Pacelli, so you know the art's going to be good. <laughs> I mean, Steve, Steve Orlando's alright. I'm not, I'm not saying he's, he's not a good writer, but you know, that Darkhold thing was weird. Anyway, together these two comic powerhouses will open the door to a new era of adventures, mysteries, and quests. Not only a hero with Wanda Maximoff's breathtaking and unmatched mystical abilities are fit for. If it, if it wasn't apparent, this is coming from Marvel.com. <laughs> That's why the, the, the flowery language. Uh, right. So, so it's, yeah, there's that. Um, and then it goes on to talk about uh, the, the whole Trial of the X-Men, uh, Trial of Magneto thing, and uh, talking with uh, and a couple of sound bites from, um, from Orlando. Let's see. Scarlet Witch number one, which you can see the cover here. It's a nice cover, by the way. Uh, goes on sale. The cover's by Russell Dowderman, so that makes sense. Goes on sale uh, January 4th, 2023. So, not that far away. Next up. Ooh, I get a fun story. And I have an errata after you finish for this, which you'll... Really? Yes. And you'll, you'll pretty much go over it, but go for it. All right, so IDW Publishing's G.I. Joe... A real American hero title will come to its conclusion with number 300 this November as the publisher's license for the G.I. Joe franchise ends. But the venerable title is going out in style with the original G.I. Joe comic creator and longtime writer Larry Hama. Shout out to Larry Hama. Penning a special issue that also boasts a cover from artist Jamie Sullivan, which IDW Publishing claims will set a world record for the most characters depicted on a single comic book cover, clocking in at over 300 by IDW's count. Um, oh, I see the errata at the end. No, not that, no, no, this is a personal errata. But. Oh, okay, because apparently, not to be sticklers, we're guessing that the record for the most characters depicted on a single monthly comic book cover, Alex Ross and George Perez's cover for the anniversary collection of Crisis on Infinite Earths features 500 and 62 characters. Shout out. Rest in peace to to one of my artistic heroes, George Perez. And a lot of people. But. Uh-huh. Yes. But. 
I have to give props where props are due. Yes. This cover by Jamie Sullivan for G.I. Joe number 300 is pretty good. It's pretty nice. And I nice. really appreciate... Oh, I'm sorry? No, I just said it's pretty it's, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate that the versions of the characters that are depicted in the bottom right, the Generation 1. <laughs> right? The Generation <laughs> 1 G.I. Joes, right? Because they've all gone through a million permutations to sell action figures. Yes. Right? But the Generation <laughs> 1, that is the term that Transformers fans know and love. <clears throat> the Generation 1 G.I. Joe characters are depicted on the on the bottom right of the cover and i genuinely sincerely appreciate that and and they also i take note i've also noted that um um spirit timber and um uh was it junkyard or mutt i always get those confused are all at the top oh basically all of the animals are up at the top oh yeah <laughs> I don't know that cat though. Where, where, who's, who's cat is that? In the... You know, no, no, no. The, the, the hawk is freedom. Freedom. Yeah, it's, I always freedom. It's, freedom and spirit. Yeah, spirit is the is the is the person. It's freedom the is the, Yes, right. I always get them and junkyard and mutt always confused. I don't know why. Yeah, you know, mutt is the uh, which we'll call it. Mutt, mutt is, is the human, the, right? Uh, is the human, yeah. right? Yeah, and junkyard is. This. I was right about that part. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, like if you're watching the video version, you can see this nice, nice big ass sprawling. It's a nice cover, and now, I can immediately see exactly where my GI Joe fandom stopped. <laughs> yeah. Right in terms of my like, you know, comic book collecting, my my uh, my action figure collecting, I see exactly where it stopped. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I you know, like even from the villains, it's almost like the bottom like four or five tiers are the ones that I know best because that's where my collecting kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. And then I recognize characters towards the top um, because they are comic book villains. Right. Like the October Guard. Right. Which they should You know, I recognize down. the October Guard because I'm like, wait a second. Those, you know, like those are like early G.I. Joe villains slash allies sometimes. You know, they, they sometimes you know, teamed up. Sometimes they were, you know, the Cold War folks. Right. Cold War era. Why are there bondage people? Never, you know what? Never mind. Um, Who? Where? 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 Top left. Top left. Oh, I have no idea. Like, what is, what is, what is going on there? Yo, I have no idea. <clears throat> I, that is not an era of G.I. Joe that I'm familiar with. I think that's, Wade Collins on the top left, that that Cobra Trooper mm-hmm. in the red. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I don't know. Oh wait, did they have the? Uh, so I the only thing I take kind of it's not really an issue, but I'm like, wait, the color of the, the the Crimson Twins hair. I don't remember it being that color. I thought they were they were dark haired. <laughs> I'm looking for them. Where are they? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, they were dark haired. Yeah. Outside of that, where's the other Snake Eyes? The female one? Uh, yes. I have no idea. I want to say, I think, so, okay, let me just go ahead and put my, uh, and, and get this out of the way, get my error out of it. So, um, I talked about G.I. Joe 297, uh, what, last week, and I thought it was the end of the run. 
but apparently it's, it runs in 300. That was the error because I was like, well, wait, because it made because for some strange reason I read something that I thought it said that this was that that 297 was the end book, and maybe I probably misread something quite possibly. So mm-hmm. I so I so I was under the impression of that was the 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 last edge of the book. And I was like, well, they ended on the cliffhanger. In fact, I have said on this, this show that it's like it ends on the cliffhanger. That's weird. Like, why would that happen? But it's not. It's got uh, three more issues to go. So there is that. Still confused about the story because I hadn't been keeping up with it, but um, nevertheless, it, it is what it is. Nevertheless, anyway, take one. I definitely thing. appreciate the bottom, the bottom half of the uh, of this image, just because I recognize so many of those characters. They're near and dear to me as action, as an action figure, you know, uh, uh, collector, as a GI Joe collector, as a GI Joe fan right. of the comics and the cartoon. So. You know, I appreciate seeing this. I'm like, oh, that's Steeler right. down there. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. That's Breaker in the bottom right. That's a pretty awesome. Right. They got Hawk down there. and mm-hmm. yeah. so They even have Cutter in there, yep. the, the, the pilot of the, of the whale uh, hovercraft. Mm-hmm. So once you get past the, the, uh, the Dreadnoughts, which is like halfway, almost halfway in, mm-hmm. see Lifeline, Methanek. Yep. This oh yep, uh, big lob. <laughs> Sergeant big Slaughter. Lob. That was from the movie. Yep, from Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter right next to him, and those folks from that Jones, low light. Um, yeah, like once you go above that line, exactly. Leatherneck and Sarge and mm-hmm. Beachhead and Lifeline right. and Wetsuit mm-hmm. and Dial Tone. Yeah, once you go above that, you lose me. Basically, that's I that. think that's the Red Ninja. I think is Jinx. Other than yeah, that, that is I'm Jinx. Yeah. Sure. I'm not sure about anybody above that line, you know. Really, you know, maybe maybe the 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 pilot of the shark, the the submersible submarine on the far right. I forget his name. That looks like him. But other than that, you know, I'm really unfamiliar with anyone above that. Wait, I thought that was. Oh, that the baseball-looking guy. I think his name is Hardball. I remember. I think I bought that just for you know shits and giggles, folks. <laughs> You know, I was a lot older then. I was just like, "Oh, this this character looks really weird. The the gun looks really weird. I'm just gonna buy this." Right. But anyway, down. folks, we yeah. are da- <clears throat> we are tarrying here a little too long. Yeah, we got one more. Drawing the art, we have one more article left. Yeah. One story left. Um, I believe this is go for it. Anyway, just take it anyway. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, you want me to take it? Yeah, all right. Let's see. You can make me open this one after I talked about all this GI <laughs> Joe stuff. <laughs> all right. Last story, folks. Joshua Williamson has joined Substack with a new Nailbiter series. So his super scary newsletter will feature new work and behind-the-scenes updates. So he is uh, Joshua Williamson is currently orchestrating the ongoing Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths event at DC, and he has joined a bunch of his comic book colleagues and started a newsletter on Substack. So the Super Scary Newsletter will feature comic book previews, exclusive swag, and more, starting with the announcement of a Nailbiter anthology series, which will also be self-published via Substack. Uh, Let's see if there is a fee for subscribing. Well, eventually, he said, eventually, Tales from the Nailbiter and other terrifying stories will be available in a trade paperback collection. That's eventually. Uh, in the meantime, Image will continue to print Nailbiter and Nailbiter Returns. I, I'm not familiar with these books. Okay. I've heard of Nailbiter, but hey, I've never read it. Right. Nailbiter apparently ran for 30 issues and had a sequel series, Nailbiter Returns, in 2020. 
Right. Oh, the first 500. So there, there, there are two tiers apparently. Mm-hmm. There's a the first 500 subscribers who select the seventy dollars or two hundred and fifty yearly tiers, two hundred fifty dollar yearly tiers, for the super scary newsletter will also receive a special nail biter fan club box with a signed copy of Nail Biter Volume One, collectible card sets, an enamel pin, and a T-shirt. Okay, good luck with that, folks. I I, I really haven't jumped on the Substack bandwagon. I don't know about yourself, Roddy Cat. Yeah, Nate, I was about to ask you if you have a question. So, nah, I have not, actually. So, uh, But that, folks, is the end of the news. we got one more ad read, please. Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. So place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, folks. I know this was a long one, but it was a lot of D23 uh, 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 stuff to get through, so we kind of had to do it. Yeah, there was a lot of it. Yeah, so now that we got that out of the way, we can go back to our regularly regularly scheduled uh, bit of nonsense next week. I mean, we're going to (laughs) have She-Hulk and Andor to talk about next week. This is true. So we'll Which, try to keep it as brief as possible because one, She-Hulk is still coming out the day of our recording, so we will keep it, you know, hopefully as brief and as light as we have been to avoid spoilers. Maybe not so much with Andor because it will be have been a day out. Oh, yeah. you, know, you know, be out. We'll have been out the day before. That is, we'll still be kind of light with it though. Of course, of but, course. Yeah. Nevertheless, folks. Um, I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsnet's Need on Twitter. You can find me at CP Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com and his umbrella site therein. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. CB Cron also on Twitter is where you can find Tim. Uh, you can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. You can also find him at theclicknation.com. But you can definitely find him, as you if you have seen and heard, over at comicbook.com, where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here show on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. <clears throat> By the way, Cold Slither, the the the, uh, the GI Joe episode, which uh, this the, the which network is named after, I believe, is out there on the Hasbro channel. So you should definitely go check that out if you are curious as to where that name came from. Um, but you can also find this here podcast on your podcast place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. I should find that um, episode of Cold Slither where they where they uh, talked over it. Right, right, right. And make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the five-star reviews, folks. That goes for both video and audio forms. Yeah. Uh, you can also find this recording every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Most times, 
on uh, the YouTube channel of the Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. Click Nation. Uh, that's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N. And you can also find us at uh, twitch.tv slash Chronicles, where one day we're going to actually start recording some, I mean, uh, not recording, uh, uh, streaming some other stuff. You have my word on that. That's it, folks. We will see you all next same uh, same time next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. This has been the, the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. And knowing is half the battle.